Yeah, Danny Tamborelli. Oh, oh, this is all that. This is all that. I don't know what he actually this says. This is the All That podcast. <laughs> this is the... Dude, if I could find a torrent of all the episodes of All That, I'd throw that right up on the Plex and we would podcast about that. I don't want to see shit post Keenan and Kel. Keenan and Kel made that show. Kel especially. I agree. Keenan and Kel was so good. Keenan and Kel was amazing. Best part of all that... Best spinoff of all that, if See, there is any others. I don't remember them on all that all that well. I mostly remember their spinoff show. Oh, here it goes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Wait, Drake and yeah, Josh like, wasn't that's in all where that Good Burger came it? from. Was yeah. all that? It was. Oh, Good oh no, Burger? Amanda Show. Oh shit. Oh, Amanda Show. I was remember. Awesome. I just watched the movie Good Burger again recently. That was not good. Yeah, that was kind of my my favorite goof from Kenny and Kel. Not recently. It's still like. <laughs> it's still when he's like. You scored a 96 out of the Hello and welcome to another episode of the Cage Fight Podcast, where we will be discussing The Runner and Trapped in Paradise. To... Right after we talk about Keenan and Kel. Yeah, quick. we yeah we got to go back to that. We were we were interrupted. <laughs> uh, but also, we're holding open auditions to replace Dave. <laughs> oh yeah, he uh, he doesn't like he he disagrees that Baja Blast is the best Mountain Dew. So we are looking for a new engineer. Um, if you're listening to this, just text me. Yeah! <laughs> We're off to a great start. <laughs> All right. uh, that dude from Counting Crows is in the studio today, and he keeps giving a little yeah. Adam Durvitz, uh, or Dur- Duritz? Dur- Durwitz? Durvitz? It's uh, Duritz. Duritz. And he stubbed his toe. He stubbed his toe. He's, uh, <laughs> he's behind Nick right now. Um, yeah, fucking hey, the cast uh, of friends. He's doing that <laughs> dance from the beginning of the Mr. Jones video. <laughs> I know music. Uh, I mean, you're. I know you're a big Counting Crows fan because I have been to every Shrek Midnight release with you. Yeah, um, but so that well, is true. <laughs> hey, when I get that feeling, I need Shrekual healing. <laughs> hey, oh, Shrek totally. Five will be the top-grossing movie of all time. Ooh, I don't I, know about that. But. Um, I think I, I gotta give it I to Endgame. But I actually once voted for Shrek and Donkey for the president of the United States of America and vice president. And that's okay. why Trump is in office. <laughs> okay, Dave can keep his job. <laughs> um, well, Thanks. we actually might have to find a replacement because he's going to be doing a lot of work with National Pleasure on the road soon. Yeah, so. what's the, Fuck what's my the deal life. with yeah, National I just Pleasure? got back from a two-week tour run with them. Oh. I haven't heard about them in a minute. Yeah, they. I mean... They've been doing their thing. They're they're out on tour. I mean, I, I think Dave has more of the stories from there, but I agreed to do sound live for them and their roadie crew quit completely because they were sick of the disrespect. So I had to load all of their equipment for them. The disrespect is the name of their DJ, right? <laughs> Wait, what was that? The disrespect? That that was the name of their DJ? Who did the the well, backing track? He was the opener. Oh right. Uh yeah, they had a DJ open. Uh, I think I saw that. But yeah, um, crazy tour. Purvis almost cut his foot off. It was barely hanging on. That was a horrible moment. Like he Damn. was insistent upon taking a motorcycle out on the road. Uh, and I don't understand the idea of needing a motorcycle when you're on tour. 
<laughs> yeah, it's it's a it's kind of playing games with with the money there. I don't know how he can even carry his uh, gear around with that. I well, mean, no, I, I had can... to carry the gear. That was the problem. <laughs> oh. I I wound up. It was basically me in a van, them in a bus, and Purvis on a motorcycle. And Purvis getting in a motorcycle accident where his foot fell off. Oh, that's that's, that's wonderful. That's great. Um, but I mean, I don't think it's that weird to to tour around on a motorcycle. I feel like that was popularized by uh, Sully Erna from Godsmack. Um, and obviously most bands today are uh, inspired by Godsmack. Um, and, uh, they're kind of primarily the song voodoo and the perfect fifth vocal harmony that goes on. I'm not the one who's so far away. (laughs) He's a, he's a musician second and a motorcycler first. (laughs) Um, so yeah, the Keenan and Kel podcast, um, Coolio, uh, did the theme song for Keenan and Kel, but you gotta love Keenan because I don't actually I don't remember the words. Yeah. Kel, I, I think, uh, like owns a series of Wendy's restaurants now. Something weird. Why I thought he was on heroin. Why can't he be both? I think that was orange soda. Have you, <laughs> yeah, have you tried this orange soda? It's pretty much like heroin. <laughs> He's like, oh shit. <laughs> well, maybe maybe someone fooled him. They he thought he was getting orange soda, but. It was actually heroin, and that's how they got him. Uh, it's a, it's I love, a new addiction. I love, I love heroin. <laughs> yeah. It's that super concentrated orange soda where you have to melt it in a spoon first. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the runner. So the runner. <laughs> the runner is uh, a movie that we watched. Is it a movie, um, though? You, you know what? I... I don't it, know. It could be called a motion picture. Maybe Certainly. W- one thing that we should have broken down maybe earlier in the podcast um, is what makes a movie a movie? Like, it's not just automatically a movie because it's on Netflix or, you know, it has a director, producer, all that stuff. Um, some, some things just happen by accident. Like, I always feel like a movie has to have a plot and right. The Runner does not have that. Well, yeah, it has an idea for a plot that it tries to stretch out to match time, but I I'm gonna know. I'm gonna hard disagree with you there because <laughs> there's a very clear plot in the runner, and I don't want to get too deep into it yet before we introduce it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what? Actually, let's introduce it. <laughs> okay. Well, the runner came out in 2015. Uh, Historic year. Yeah, it was a uh, a huge year. You know, it was uh the last year of uh of of hope and change and yeah. <laughs> uh we we we'd been introduced to a new man who we didn't know yet but he was grabbing people by the pussy and uh things okay. weren't great then and mm. they are now mm-hmm. and so yeah, the world I, is a 50 million better 50 million times better place so <laughs> what's important we didn't it, have enough trade wars. What adds a lot of context to this movie <laughs> um, is that if you while you're watching, you have to remember that it takes place in an America that is not great or even good. So um, tough times. Yeah, if only they could make it again. great again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was obviously great before that. Uh, you know, Democrat. <laughs> but Ooh, uh, I don't like hearing that word. Sorry, you <laughs> sorry. feel free to bleep it, but. I said it. Oh, yeah. This is rated R for Republicans only. Um, but no. Uh, 
Was this rated R? It was. Yes. I didn't realize that until today, and I'm not because exactly of the titty. Sure. Yeah. They, well, I thought they could get away with a titty in a PG-13 movie if it was under a certain amount of time, and the 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 booby was only on screen for like <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's that specific boob one second, if that. Yeah, maybe. Like the editors were like, "That's an R boob. That's that's a good boob." <laughs> um, well, it, the movie was directed by Austin Stark. Uh, production company Backlot Pictures and Paper Street Films, both of which, I mean, it seems like this was made on some backlot somewhere that they could get on the low low, and uh, s- the sets may have been made out of paper. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> nothing in this movie seemed like it should have cost any money. Um, <laughs> uh, runtime of 90 minutes, a budget of $6 million, and yet I think this only ever got like a limited weekend release. I, this has been a common theme of a lot. Well, not a theme, but you know, a common running characteristic in a lot of these hey, movies that we've ready. watched so far. <laughs> the uh, um, but it's uh, it got a limited release and had a box office gross of seven hundred forty nine thousand dollars. The majority of it made on streaming services. Um, but yeah, yeah, I had I'd never even heard of this movie before. I had never heard of it either. And uh, this past week, and no one ever should. And yeah, I, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves here, but um, I'm kind of thinking in like two weeks time, I'm probably not going to remember this movie. <laughs> but I watched this movie two days ago or three days ago, and I barely remember. Yeah. Um, well, um, well, there was nothing really to remember. So, yeah, I was just kind of waiting for something to happen. Uh, and then some stuff did happen, but it wasn't interesting uh, and I didn't care about it. <laughs> um, review wise. Rotten Tomatoes, twenty four percent on that tomato meter, twenty two percent audience rating. It's uh, it, the people and the critics agree there pretty much about one in four like it. Bless you, thank you. <clears throat> um, uh, some general notes I had. Here's all I could find about it. It was mostly filmed in New Orleans. Um. I yeah. feel like half these movies have been. Yeah, seriously, I, mean, I don't know why so many have taken place in New Orleans. But maybe Nicolas Cage just really likes doing a New Orleans he's, accent. He's not from there, is he? Speaking of, his accent in this movie was atrocious, and I think he gave it up on it halfway bad. through. Like, I swear he was like trying it in like the first like thirty minutes of the movie, and it was really bad. And then towards the end of it, he just stopped. <laughs> there was yeah. a lot of people that had bad accents. Yeah. Hey, I mean, why cast uh, people who are from Louisiana when you could cast whoever the fuck was in this movie? Uh, uh, his wife-to-be ex-wife was in Wonder Woman. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, well, that came out after this. Yeah. So she this may have gotten that out of the, Yeah, this, <laughs> she might have gotten there on the strength of this film. Oh, well, she God. was also in Gladiator, so that's fun. Oh, I don't even remember that. Who was I, she in Gladiator? I don't know. I've never seen Gladiator. Really? But, yeah. Truly. Oh, wow. Welcome to the Gladiator podcast. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, Gladiator. <laughs> but, oh, uh, yeah. You can keep the fight. Fight. <laughs> um, uh, Peter Fonda is in this movie, surprisingly, um, because, mm-hmm. you know, you everybody gets to a point in their career where you either kill yourself or you Get embarrass killed. yourself. Yeah. What you going to do? Exactly. And, uh, so he, I don't know if he's still alive, honestly, but he, <laughs> yeah, he might, 
As of 2015, he had refused to kill himself, and so his career (laughs) kept going. Um, Um, Yeah, that's... uh, I mean, I don't have a lot about... I mean, here's a fun fact. Peter Fonda is tall. (laughs) Oh, really? He's like (laughs) 6'2". That means uh, statistically he should be dying soon, right? Yeah. Um, But actually, this is... uh, Your lifespan... Like the length of time, it is also spanned by your height, so like right. that, it's inversely related. They Everybody did a study gets about this recently. An equal amount of life, and it it's like stretched out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of, they get an equal amount of, uh, of of life force. Yeah, of uh, time height, I believe is yes. the, is the the index. But um, we're smart, smart. Um, <laughs> Uh, well, I guess we could jump into the plot summary, because <laughs> I, I really got... There's nothing here, man. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I have uh, two... And let's. One of them's a semi-fun fact, and the other one is, uh, you know, it, it's pretty obvious, uh, which is that this is the directorial and writing debut of the guy who wrote and directed this, Austin Stark, as you said. Um, so, apparently he had done, like, a bunch of, like, smaller indie movies before this um and then uh or like indie projects and then he decided to throw this together yeah i i'm looking on his imdb now this is the last thing he's done wait really i i so it was his first and last (laughs) it it just should be (laughs) i mean it's only been four years which in hollywood is like two seconds um not really, but uh, now I'm, I'm I hope I got that right. He doesn't have a Wikipedia page, does he? Oh, he does. It's Austin okay. Stark, yeah. He's filmography. Uh, yeah, 2015. Good. The Runner is his last feature or last thing for that he's credited for. Well, he was also an infinitely polar bear that same year as a producer, which is oh my uh, god. It, who could forget that? It's <laughs> the prequel to um, Polar Express. <laughs> 2009 um, my son my son what have you done <laughs> oh and, ooh, that sounds like a movie i want to watch it was produced by david lynch and directed by werner herzog that sounds like a way better movie <laughs> Let's, uh, or how about happy thank you more please <laughs> well see we could do a first and last podcast on this guy Right now, because <laughs> he's, he's produced other stuff. He's directed some shorts, directed some shorts. Uh, but this is the first and last thing uh, he may ever direct. True. On the very far chance that he's listening to this, sorry that we're just ripping into you, but man, this was a bad movie. Yeah, yeah it's, you, it's, you, you got to recognize this. This was uh, not not the best you could have done. It's like Mr. Stark, Austin, Austin, honey, baby. Okay, so you've been. Wait, I don't feel so good, Stark. Mr. Stark. You've been, you've been bored out of your fucking mind before, right? Now, now, what caused that? And think about who like, hurt you. Think about the real underlying causes of that boredom, and then put yourself in our shoes. We had to fucking sit and watch this movie. In my yeah. case, on a Saturday morning, I could have been doing anything. Yeah, literally anything else. Uh, and I, I mean, I wouldn't have been doing anything important, but I could have watched a different movie. Uh, True. Oh, so and the fun fact that I had was that uh, Nicolas Cage and Peter Fonda um, have starred together in a movie, which I believe is our next matchup: Ghost Rider 2007. 
Oh, in which we'll have uh, to compare it directly. Peter Fonda plays <laughs> Mephistopheles. Oh, Wait, he does in that movie. Wasn't Peter Fonda? I swear he was in like Deadfall in some respect or something. He, I haven't watched Ghost Rider in so long. Me either. I uh, I hope it holds up because I remember it being my favorite Marvel film. I remember at the time. <laughs> I remember thinking that it was pretty cool. Well, what what year did that come out? Two thousand seven. Yeah, Peter Fonda is in Deadpool. So he I was plays 14. Pete. I don't know who Pete is. I don't remember Pete, but he Pete Peter Fonda. F- <laughs> Good old Pete Fonda. He's in. He was in Deadfall at some point. Well, too. there's there's so many memorable performances in Deadfall that it's hard to isolate just one. Yeah. Other than Nicolas Cage, everybody else. So. Yeah. Uh, well, you got to remember Doctor Lime, but uh, I was, <laughs> oh yeah. Um, Doctor the with the claw hand, um, <laughs> out of nowhere, like. Yeah. But uh, I, I, we're not, talking about not to go back here? to a uh, much more interesting movie. We've got a really boring one to talk about. <laughs> um, uh, so, like a a plot summary of of the runner. So the BP oil spill from 2010 is happening. The the Deepwater Horizon spill, and that's the plot summary. Yeah, so, there you go. That all happens before this movie starts. Oh, yeah. it doesn't even, it's not even the exciting incident. It's just, it, it, oh, it, that thing happened. It, it opens with a montage of Cage going through and, like, meeting with the people who are, like, the cleanup crews and learning about what they need. There's a shot of the you water. You know, real exciting stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There is a shot of really bad CGI oil on the water. Like, they literally just took the water and just made it, painted it black in post, I think. It doesn't look like oil on top at all. And it, uh, I don't know. I was just like, come on. <laughs> yeah, there's a. Right off the bat here, this is the one thing. You didn't even have to show the oil if you didn't want to. <laughs> like, it was, truly was uh, not necessary at all. Because, <laughs> I mean, you would think it might be necessary, but it wasn't like they kept coming back to it. It was like, they showed some guy uh, scooping oil out of the water, and then uh, they cut to Nicolas Cage chatting it up with the, uh, the townsfolk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we get a montage of businesses being shut down because the fishing industry is affected by the spill. They can't fish. They can't do anything. Um, and we get Cage making a statement before Congress, because he's a congressman, uh, saying he the state needs relief work and he starts breaking into tears during the speech and says like uh the rest of my statement is written and just kind of walks off but i guess that gets the public on his side and his campaign manager comes to him afterwards and is like we are gonna milk this to get you in the senate yeah his uh his speech goes viral because uh nothing you love more than just a real busted up congressman who's real sad about these fisher guys yeah, I mostly watch affected congressman videos online, you know. that That's my daily YouTube search is like, oh, what congressman was sad about things happening today? I, yeah, I, and if it doesn't hit the the front page of CNN, I'm retweeting it until it does. Mm. I'm finding every source, retweet, retweet. Like, look, look, how, look how much emotion he's showing because these are the... These are the, the backbone of New Orleans. And you're hoping for a runner, too. Exactly. Hmm. And I'm not counting it out. Maybe that's why uh, Austin Stark hasn't directed anything since. He's working hard on this script. Um, well, yeah. <laughs> this one that's based on true life. <laughs> he's 
He hasn't made another movie because he's trying to cause another oil spill. <laughs> um, he's out there on the boat. He's just hitting. He's only boat. got one idea, really. And I, he could go back to like the Exxon Valdez, but he's looking for more relevant stuff. Yeah, he wants right. to stay current. So he's out there <laughs> in the ocean, swinging a bag of oil around, just waiting for the wind to catch it. <laughs> Um, Every day, he stops at a gas station, gets a gallon of oil, heads out of his boat, goes to the middle of the ocean, yeah, dumps it, and then repeats. I think his big problem, though, is I, I've heard he's been getting vegetable oil, and that's oh, yeah. it. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Different kind of oil spill. <laughs> but um, anyways, we, we cut to a uh, cages in a boardroom meeting with a, fi- a campaign financier who uh, wants to fund his Senate campaign, but he's a major shareholder in BP and he wants Cage to support BP in the oil industry and not the workers. And he's like comically evil about it. Sometimes. Yeah, it's like, hey, yeah. hey man, I know like BP fucked up and dumped a lot of oil, but say oil's cool. Yeah. Like they they could have done this scene where um like Cage's guy is proposing the Senate run and this oil lobbyist pops up on his shoulder as like in a devil outfit like hey what if we got money from these guys instead (laughs) um but uh, cage sticks to his guns hard and he's like no no i'm not doing that you expect me to compromise my morals blah 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 and then his wife scolds him outside because she arranged the meeting and i guess her firm big attorney yeah she's uh, she's a big attorney and her firm does a lot of business with that guy and then uh, in the middle of Cage getting yelled at by his wife, he gets a call from his mistress. <laughs> oh, yeah. And he's like, hold up. I got to go have sex. Yeah. He's like, wait a second. Wait a second. It, it, what it, he just tells her flat out, like, yeah, this is my uh, side piece, and <laughs> there is business to attend to. Uh, she, doesn't, she doesn't ask who the... He acts really weird about the phone call. Yeah. And uh, she doesn't seem to care. She's like, oh, he's a politician. He's got politics to do. I feel like we're painting this movie to be way more interesting than it was. No. I can't stress enough that this was one of the most boring movies I've ever watched. Here's, yeah. here's how it went in the movie. He's arguing with his wife outside of this building. His phone rings. Cut to he's in a hotel room with some woman. Yeah. And this lady is crying and says her husband knows about them. And then Cage gets upset and leaves. After she grabs his junk. Yeah, she grabs his junk. He's like, no, no more sex. Your husband knows, so it's bad. He thinks about it. He does think about it. It's like, maybe (laughs) one last bone down, now that he knows. It's true. And I just want to point out, when he leaves, it's it's a thing that's never addressed again, and I don't understand it, but he goes into the street and fist bumps a man in a bondage mask. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That was weird. I I didn't get that. I don't know why it was there. Is that a Louisiana thing we are just not privy to? Yeah, it's maybe classic Mardi Gras culture. Yeah. Oh, you gotta fist bump the bondage guy. If you don't fist bump the bondage guy, that's a hundred years of bad luck for your family. (laughs) Um, And that's... But Cage didn't fist bump him right or something. He must have missed slightly because he got a whole bunch of bad luck. Or that wasn't the guy who was supposed to be in Mm. the bondage mask. That was the wrong gimp. (laughs) Um... So, yeah, uh, we, we see Cage and his wife have a relationship on the rocks. Her wife is annoyed, and he's like, we got to see a counselor together. And she's like, oh, yeah, so you can tell him that you've been fucking that cheerleader? And then he's just like, yeah, you know about that? She also brings up that, like, years ago, she, he also cheated on her. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. 
Uh, yeah, th- this guy is a serially unfaithful in his relationships, it seems. And she's no. cool with it. She's she's a real G about it, just until the uh, the cheerleading coach comes around. Yeah. Uh, well, I think as soon as it's like, oh, this is affecting your career, now I'm mad. Yeah, and... Um, Dang it. Exactly. He's he's in the middle of an interview. He's getting phone calls from his mistress because a reporter has come and tried to ask her about their relationship. Uh, he, So he and his publicist and his campaign manager all have a secret late night meeting and see that there's footage of the two of them kissing in an elevator, uh, Cage oh, yeah. and his mistress. And uh, apparently she's the wife of an owner of a local fishing company. And those are like the people that Cage is fighting for are fishing companies. So it's yeah, like, it- look at your... You're fighting for them, but you're also fucking their wives. Like, what are you <laughs> it, doing here? It all really unravels there. Uh, when when they're like, hey, uh, remember when you were crying on TV? Were you crying because you <laughs> fucked that guy's wife? <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, the these people are the backbone of my city that I grew up in. That I am backboning. <laughs> hey. Hey, while they're out there uh, catching shrimp, I'm, uh, I'm taking care of their friggin'... He's getting tail at home. (laughs) Yeah. You're getting shrimp tails. If her husband loses her job, how is she going to be able to take time off from her job so she can meet me in a hotel room and bang me? That's the part that he didn't read out loud in front of Congress or whatever. That's the rest of his statement. The rest of his statement was like, hey, you know, if if we don't clean up this oil... I can't keep fucking their wives. I'm going to have to find somebody else to fuck. Not my wife. I'm going to start fucking the wives of the people who are cleaning up all this oil. And they're not not my type. Not at all. (laughs) Nope. So after this, we kind of cut to the media swarming his house. Uh, His dad shows up, and I guess they haven't spoken in over a year. And... Uh, basically, he sits down at the table with Cage and his wife, and he's just like, yeah, you know, like, lots of leaders in history. They all fucked a million people. Like, <laughs> like Genghis Khan, they, like, almost everybody on Earth is related to that guy. And, like, you know, John F. Kennedy, he, he was Hey, unfaithful. people fuck a lot. And, you can't he, be a good leader if like, you don't bust a load on somebody who's not your wife. Yeah. And he's saying that right in front of Cage's wife, too. Which I, 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 And she doesn't seem upset by it. She really is, thing. for the most part, unfazed by... All the infidelity in this movie. There, there are times when it gets tense, but for the most part, she's pretty chill about it. Yeah. And, uh, well, basically... Maybe can... she's also fucking people's wives. Ooh, maybe. Maybe she's fucking the dad. Yeah, maybe she's <laughs> mad about this because it's going to shut down the whole sleeping with fishermen's wives ring that she's a big part of. <laughs> she's, she's making money patron. off this. Yeah. Um, but, uh, basically... Cage's dad and his wife both say, like, you're not, don't resign. Don't resign. Whatever you do, don't resign. Don't resign. And then in the next scene, we see him pulling up to his publicist in somewhere, some random place, and he's like, I'm going to (laughs) resign. And now, I don't know if you mentioned this, uh, so I apologize if this is a repeat, but his dad was like an ex politician. Yeah. And so. He was like the mayor or something. Yeah. And so uh, when he says, uh, like, don't resign, Go fuck somebody's wife instead. <laughs> you should probably listen to him because he knows what he's talking about. Well, I think exactly. that was like his point is like people don't care the wrong you do or something like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. Which is yeah, probably why guess... he was so comfortable talking about it in front of. Her. <laughs> he's already talked about it uh, in front of his own wife about how he was like uh, fucking whoever's maid. Yeah. <laughs> well, and um, 
I guess there's some other one. The senator that he's trying to replace in the primary uh, just had some scandal about something recently, like taking a bribe or something. Or yeah, um, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, so he tells his publicist he's going to resign, but he still plans to run for Senate. And then she's like, oh, well, I don't know anyone who's resigned and then won a race afterwards. So like, uh, stay Lucky. out of the media for as long as possible or what? <laughs> yeah, so she's like, fuck you. <laughs> oh, yeah. And so he leaves and he, he's determined to be the first one to resign and then win, win. the Senate race. Yeah. Uh, so he, he goes home and his wife is like super mad that he didn't tell her first about his resignation. And then she says like, I'm going to leave you if you resign. And then we cut to Cage walking into a press conference and we don't hear anything. But the next scene is him drinking. And we've just (laughs) been told he's been sober for 16 years. And he's also like hiring hookers, I think. I think it was a hooker. I couldn't tell. Well, here's my (laughs) logic between... for thinking it's a hooker she was standing there it's a person we haven't seen before it's not his mistress but she's like dancing while she's undressing and there's a bunch of money on the table so like i'm thinking that's gotta be either a hooker or a stripper or something but or both (laughs) maybe he can't get a boner unless he's looking at a bunch of money (laughs) because okay that's his fetish are you kink shaming him nick when uh, his mistress grabbed him no, right I'm not in trying the to wiener, kink shame him. I'm just trying to kink understand him. <laughs> his his mistress grabbed him right in the wiener, and he thought about it, but then he left because there wasn't a pile of money. <laughs> I see. That's really what it is. So if she really wanted to, she should have gotten to that boardroom with that financer, uh, and then done. That's it. where it really goes down. Yeah. Um, yeah, he he does a whole lot of fucking oh, anybody. Yeah, yeah he's which, just fucking and fucking and. Fucking more fucking and this dude's like he really likes sex <laughs> like that's a that's a thing i mean uh, my obviously. theory stands with this movie where if you see boobs in it and it's a nicholas cage movie it's a bad movie mm. i i haven't seen proof otherwise so far so we'll see <laughs> at least zandali had the decency to show you no, a boob in zandali the first is 10 the worst seconds. movie ever made <laughs> zandali warns you in the first 10 seconds God, with I'm a boob. punch you in the face <laughs> There wasn't a boob in this goddamn movie until I don't even I don't I missed the boob. I didn't see it. <laughs> it happened much later and it was very unnecessary. <laughs> uh cuz full disclaimer there was uh there was a couple times when I was like uh googling cartoon fucking voice actors cartoon during boobs? this movie. <laughs> I, I, cartoon think of, I I just uh, I spaced out there for a second but I was I was doing a lot of uh extracurricular activities in the second <laughs> half of this movie. Um Cause it, uh, I had to, I'd rewound a lot because it just wasn't interesting. Mm. But I was playing on my phone a lot during this movie. Uh, it was I, so boring. See, I guess I'm the only one here with a fucking work ethic because I sat down and I watched this goddamn thing. And you wasted me. 90 minutes of your life. I did, but at least I'm prepared here. <laughs> hey, oh, you know are what? you saying we are underprepared? I'm no. so prepared <laughs> that I am now issuing a challenge to our listeners to. Get past me in Garfield Food Truck, which is what I was playing during this movie. I am currently level 229, and I would love to see somebody uh, throw this movie on and get past that. So, anyway. uh... (laughs) Okay, so we get a montage of him doing bad now. His apartment is littered with empty bottles and glasses because he's moved into his own place. He's moved out with his wife, uh, moved out from his wife because they're going to get a divorce now. But then... Then he kind of goes back to normal and he starts doing good, even though he's drinking. Like it seemed like he wasn't doing that bad after the short montage of him doing bad. It's, yeah, but he really was only doing like 
that one bad thing, and then it was just shots of him like sleeping. Yeah, well, I think the it, real and message. And then they like leave empty glasses and bottles around the house, so it kind of is supposed to imply that he's drinking a lot. But yeah, I think I the real know. message that this was trying to convey is that sobriety is overrated and doesn't make that much of a difference. <laughs> yeah. Um, because uh, he did pretty okay. Yeah. Or maybe that wasn't a uh, character thing. Maybe that was Nicolas Cage had to be drunk to do this movie. <laughs> and they just happened to catch some of it on camera. And they I were respect like, the more, I guess. We got to put this in the movie. We don't have shit else. <laughs> so uh, now Cage is, since he's not in Congress anymore, he's mostly doing work for his nonprofit, um, which is a company that's fighting on behalf of the affected people, the fishermen and business owners affected by the... Uh, oil spill so he fights with a mortgage company and wants them to let the worker let the workers defer payments on the mortgage uh on their mortgages while they wait for bp to pay them for the damages and uh it fails and i don't know why i got into that i was just like (laughs) i was like you know okay cool but like they actually got a thing going on it seems like they they're not just you know in most movies when there's business dealings they're just kind of like Business. Business. <laughs> business. Well, we will conduct business now, but they're like no, actually talking hand, about please. something. So there was a lot of shaking of hands, um, but they did <laughs> go a little bit too deep into it. This was, I, I mean, kind of where I started to zone out. Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess it had the opposite effect on you guys that it did on me at that part. Yeah, if but, he, if he uh, was a a real person and this was a documentary, more power to him. Uh, but I did not care to see whatever he was, whatever yeah. he was doing. It well, would have been more interesting if it was, like, about that kind of stuff. Yeah. But it was just, like, here's some business stuff. Okay, now back to here's a scene the of nothing. story And now another scene of nothing. Yeah. yeah. They, it, it also, felt... his dad's having surgery. Mm-hmm. Okay. Didn't really understand that part. Yeah. It felt like they were just, uh, they were kind of trying to redeem him, I guess, and show that, like, hey, guess what? He took a sip of alcohol, but he's still a good guy. He fucked somebody's wife. Uh, nobody cares (laughs) and even the people that like are working with him uh, are like hey listen you don't give a shit who you fuck yeah (laughs) that's dope honestly we we don't care who you fucking just get BP to stop fucking me (laughs) (laughs) just don't shoot your load in the ocean with all the oil (laughs) and we're good it's my money I need it now yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's your money get it when you need it that's what Cage says to them, and then they're like, oh, I remember that, yeah, J.G. Wentworth, but I'm... I'm it's so <laughs> cash now! Uh, sponsor us. We just did a free ad for you. J.G. Wentworth, Is he still around? Uh, I have no idea. I think so. I feel like I saw an ad not that long ago. Let's do the Empire Carpet jingle just for good measure. <laughs> um, so then, uh, 300 Empire. How many phone numbers can we sing on this? <laughs> Uh, eight six seven five three. Um, okay. Well, well, Cage for free. Cage finds his campaign manager and discovers that he's running for another guy's Senate campaign, or he's he's uh, working uh, yeah. to run that, and it's the Democrat because I guess Cage is a Republican. I haven't figured it out. I in thought this movie. it was. I don't know. Well, if somebody's a hero in a movie, I just assume they're Republican. <laughs> I yeah. couldn't really be sure here, but um, he ends up also meeting with his former publicist and ends up going out drinking with her and sleeps with her. 
And at this point, I got to ask, like, what is, with, yeah, that's, that's where the booby is. Uh, we get flabby 50 cage from the, <laughs> from the cage on this young woman who's in her thirties, whose main characteristic that I've discovered is that she hates her kids. I don't know how many times she talks about <laughs> oh, how yeah. annoyed she is with her kids. And they keep showing scenes of her, like being around her kids and being fucking annoyed. <laughs> and I'm just like, okay. Hey, that was the most realistic scene in the movie. <laughs> Truly. I guess. Um, and <clears throat> she is uh, played by Sarah Paulson from American Horror Story fame. Um, and so basically this is like the, the prequel to American Horror Story. Um, Nicholas Cage's however many years old body in this movie thrusting down on her. Um, the true horror story. <laughs> I was thinking more Ocean's 8 because in that one she leaves her kids to do the heist. I haven't so seen maybe that. This was right after oh, or right before. Possibly. Maybe she's the same person. I don't know. I mean, it's it's hard to differentiate characters who hate their kids because everybody who has kids hates them. So, by the way, Ocean's 8 better than this movie. Uh, I don't doubt that at all because Ocean's Eight actually it at least looked good. That's all I can say about it because I haven't seen it. I could probably say any movie at this point and say it better than this movie. I will watch any movie with Rihanna Except in it Zandaly. over. <laughs> Wait, even Battleship? Yep. Over this movie? Yeah. Okay. I'll watch Battleship ten times in a row just um. to stick it to you. <laughs> um, I didn't even ask for that. Well, I guess uh, at this point, Cage. Finds out his dad is dying of cirrhosis, I think. Yeah. Uh, and he's drinking while he's talking about how he's dying of cirrhosis. So that's that's <laughs> good. They, uh, they do a real good job of making him look really jaundiced. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, hey, uh, this is your dad. He's, uh, he's dying. Mr. Burns now. Yeah. Um, and uh, he, uh, so he's refusing any money from Cage to help pay for the medical payments. And Cage is like, all right. And then his dad is like, stop being a hero and just make it look like you're a hero. That's what you're <laughs> supposed to do as a politician. Now that's a Republican. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but, uh, so after that, Cage goes home and pours his liquor bottles in the sink because he's like, my dad's an alcoholic who's dying. My dad. My daddy. Uh, um, so then, <laughs> after that, he calls his publicist. <laughs> he calls Maybe this his is a Ghost Rider sequel. It could be. Uh, he he calls his publicist and asks if she wants to come visit. And this is what her kids are there, and like they're fighting over orange juice, and she's just looking all annoyed. And she's like, "Yeah, I'll be there this weekend, okay?" She's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, "God, okay." Um, so, and then the next scene, Cage is going to work. Everyone's applauding him. It looks like BP gave his nonprofit three and a half million dollars to help with his relief efforts. So, like, his wife sees an article about it while she's going through divorce documents and then closes the divorce documents and puts them away. She's just like, oh, okay, he is still working. <laughs> it's like, uh, she's... Did they get divorced? No. No, they uh, never did. Okay, I couldn't I tell know. if they did or not. No, they called off the divorce because, to clarify... It doesn't matter who you're fucking as long as you have a job. <laughs> and as long as it's a powerful job in politics. Yes. Oh, okay. Um, if he was a fucking barista. Which again reminded me of House of Cards. Like, is, I felt like this movie was trying to be House of Cards, but even less interesting than that show, which I didn't much care for anyways. Yeah, it, uh, it really felt basically just like a House of Cards offshoot where instead of taking uh, an entire season 
to build up to something, they uh, just show you the first boring episode, and that's all you get. <laughs> yeah. Um. So then, uh, Cage's publicist shows up, and we get uh, a montage to CCR, which I just gotta say, a band that repeatedly sings about being from Louisiana in the Bayou, while actually being from California, much like all of the actors in this film who are doing really bad New Orleans accents <laughs> oh, while being from California. But um, uh, we get that montage of Cage and his publicist having a good time at a barbecue with the fisherman that his nonprofit is helping, and the people there are like. You got a bad deal. You they just do. had sex with someone else. Like, what about that guy who like had sex with kids? It, <laughs> it was very like, heavy-handed. Where it was like, oh man, we need someone who's against oil to run for stuff. And man, I'd vote for a guy just like you. Yeah. You know what? I've had sex before too. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, his publicist who's named Kate. I feel like she's. I, I got to bring out her name at this point. They, they, how all of these movies go, what I do is uh, until a character becomes significant enough in the movie, I don't bother to find out the character's name. I just uh, refer to them as what they are. My notes have a lot of that one dude uh, yeah. in them. We've been uh, talking about this movie for way longer than I think we should just because okay. I feel like. We have given this more plot than this movie has. Like, I cannot yeah. stress enough how boring this movie was. Uh, yeah, if it feels like uh, we're kind of diverting a lot, uh, it's because I would rather die than talk about this movie. <laughs> I Like, we've watched other bad movies on this podcast, but this was bad in such a way that I have nothing to say about it. Yeah, it, yeah was, it doesn't really... It, it kind of reminds me of USS Indianapolis, but at least that was about something that was interesting it, enough that I could, yeah. you know, get around it, even if the movie itself was boring. Yeah, I found. <laughs> just the fact of what's going on made you pay attention to it. Yeah. This one, I'm just like, okay, this guy's running. Okay, he's not now. <laughs> really zero redeeming qualities <laughs> about this one. Um, and but, uh, uh, Yeah. Well, I, I, can, I can try and power through the rest of this, I guess. Uh that financing from before. Me and Zach aren't gonna go. Yeah. <laughs> you can you can take the reins on this one. Oh fuck. Uh. <laughs> I'm not how, really contributing this, anything they, over here I, anyway. I, I um, got this. So then he decides I'm gonna run, and but he needs money, so he goes to that BP guy and he's like, "Hey, give me money." And the, well, the guy's like, "I'm willing to finance you because the guy you're running against is gonna be way worse for us than you." So, but how about you just go for BP, and then he's just like. No, I'm still not doing that. And he's like, then why'd you take this meeting? And then he's like, Oh shit! Oh, you got me, bro. Uh, <laughs> this, meeting, this meeting, of course, uh, as most political meetings are, is on a rooftop, overlooking uh, the city. More, yeah, overlooking the city. They're just. Uh, it it looked like there was going to be a disagreement at one point where the one threw the other off the roof or something. Yeah, oh, I wish. Either one, I wouldn't even care who. Uh, Cage. <laughs> both. <laughs> Cage calls Kate, and we find out, like, uh... She's not gonna leave her husband. Yeah, she's not gonna leave her husband. He gets all sad about it. Uh, Cage's dad dies in surgery. He goes up to his dad being like, um... Why'd you die? Yeah. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> Why are you a dick? Yeah. Uh, and then his wife says, like, I don't want a divorce. I'll stay with you if you just cave, give up on your morals, and take money from BP. 
because she's comically evil also in this for some reason. She's just like, I want you to stop having strong moral convictions and just, <laughs> just be power hungry. Money. Yeah, just, just be power hungry, all right? Where are all these morals coming from? Did you become a liberal? <laughs> uh, and the the funny part... Uh, what during the whole like his dad is dying thing is that every time he goes to the hospital his separated wife is there when he wasn't like yeah his, his uh now almost not wife is spending a lot more time with his dying father than he is and yeah. i'm not exactly sure why that is um unless my well, they fuck it my previous prediction is true and they be stupid baby oh yeah well i i guess i got ahead of it the the call from kate he uh that happens after his dad dies so and that's the thing that like sets him over the edge and he's just like ah fuck and then screw the morals yeah and then he goes to his wife's house and finds that the gate d doesn't work anymore he has like a garage door opener that opens a gate and uh he oh, yeah. so he I forget just, my favorite scene <laughs> he decides I'm just going to ram in there while he's drunk and just plows through, smashes into the garage and just, like, is blacked out, like, unconscious. And, um... Is woken up by his, uh, his wife yeah. while he's just conked out on the steering wheel. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, she fixes him up and there's a voiceover of her saying that, like, great men compromise their morals. <laughs> great men... <laughs> Chase power. <laughs> like, that's really what it is. It is what Do it. Saying. Let the hate flow through. And, the yeah, quickest way to him. fail is to stand for something. <laughs> and, Have uh, you ever heard of the story of Plagueis the Wise? It's not Plagueis the Wise. He signed a deal with BP and was able to resurrect people from the dead because of it. Uh, so and we see him signing a, a deal with that financial guy who is in BP. And then we see him giving a speech on the campaign trail about how we shouldn't vilify the oil industry. We got to work with them because if we got rid of them completely, well, then everybody would be out of jobs here. So, yeah. Uh, and, and then, then there's a shot of him. Gerbs. There's a shot of him jogging in front of the Capitol building because he won, but morality lost. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, so deep. And they got to remind you that he's been running in more ways than one this entire movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of him jogging. Uh, yeah, I wonder if it's because of the title. Um, I, I, I like every time it cuts to him jogging, it's him like clearing his head. Um, but I, I just, I wasn't really getting that from. <laughs> he didn't. He didn't. It didn't look like a therapeutic jog that he was going on. No, uh, it is not exciting to watch in a movie. A guy jogging in silence. Yeah. Well, that's first of all, that's where you're wrong. I didn't say slow motion jogging. Uh, have you, okay. Haven't you ever seen uh, George Orwell's uh, Man Jogs in Silence <laughs> from 1948? It's actually a classic of cinema, and oh, I, I'm affronted true. by the fact that you would say this. Uh, oh, man. That movie was a slog. Yeah. I, I'd say for a theme, uh, good people in politics don't mix, and to win in politics, you have to give up on your morals. That's uh, what it's yeah. what it says. Uh, yeah, like, that was definitely what they were trying to tell you, but they could have told you that with this story in, like, ten minutes. Mm -hmm. They did not need to take 90 out of my life. Yeah, it it just really felt like the entire time they were like, hey, you know what? Politicians are actually pretty messed up. What? <laughs> Whoa. This whole time, 1992 to 2015, I've been thinking, politicians... They're the wholesome bunch. Yeah. <laughs> They're out here changing the world day to day, making 
this a place that we want to live? And then you watch The Runner. A complete... They sh- you know what? They should have called this movie The Blind Side because... <laughs> fucking blindsided by that one man i can't fucking believe some of these politics and how they're getting so mean how are they fucking these fishermen's wives so um i guess i'll disagree with you guys a little bit here and Uh i'd say it's not horrendously boring it is boring (laughs) i have watched more boring things in my life i was gonna say if you don't think this movie is boring I don't know what you think is a good movie. It's true. Well, I voluntarily watch very boring things generally. <laughs> so like, I, I sit here and I watch documentaries about like electricity. No. <laughs> like, but, but documentaries are interesting. We're like you learn this things. Was, yeah. What Just, is? Oh, man. I didn't learn anything from this, well, other than the fact that politics are mean. Uh, but yeah, I, I'll I'll watch the most boring documentary ever, and I'm, yeah, I'm talking about a video. I, your dick. Oh. <laughs> It's not very long. I learned from this the, movie the that, documentary. <laughs> I learned from this movie that I apparently don't value my time enough because I watched this movie. Hey, um, yeah. If well, you thought watching eighty-two Nicolas Cage movies was going to be a good investment, uh, you're on the wrong podcast, my friend. Uh, yeah, there's really not much reason to watch this. Uh, there's a reason you've never heard of it, and uh, and if you have heard of it, um. I'm sorry. I yeah. don't want to know you. <laughs> it's it's probably the most forgettable movie I've watched so far. I'm not confident that I'm going to remember anything about it two weeks from now. So. Yeah. I'm like, well, I'm definitely going to remember USS Indianapolis. Yeah. Because that was an interesting story. Mm-hmm. Like the movie, not. But like the story the movie was about was interesting. Right. Mm-hmm. Where even I, the story that this movie was about, I did not find interesting. Right. Mm-hmm. This was not by any means the worst movie that we watched i guess but i guess but it's it's just a movie that i'm never going to think about again because at least yeah. the other terrible movies that we watch had like some quality that stood out like they were so bad they were good or like yeah. so like this scene was so comical but nothing like that there was movie. none of that in this you know there are movies that are so bad they're good are there movies that are so good they're bad Probably. Avatar. <laughs> I guess. Best movie ever made? Worst movie I've ever seen. Yeah. I've... Uh, I don't I wouldn't say that's so good it's bad. I'd just say it's bad <laughs> personally, but uh That was all I could think of. Uh, uh well, either way, it's certainly not a question we have to wonder about with this movie. But um <laughs> like uh that that's really all we had. To say about the runner here, I think... Uh, and we will never speak of this again. <laughs> Until it makes it through to the next round. I swear to God, if you guys because fuck me again. I am uh, using... We, I, we haven't talked about this because I just made it up. We each get one override Oh, per round. Okay, I, I override Zandali. I'm using mine right now. <laughs> fuck Zandali. I use and my override to override his override. <laughs> thank you. And uh, next week, we will be covering Zandali versus The Runner. <laughs> oh, God. And uh, we're going to do a live reaction video where we have uh, Zach strapped to a couch with his eyes open. It's, I was going to say, like you're going to film my uh, suicide. Yeah. Yeah, because that would be... Zandali was so bad. Mm, I I, cannot stress enough how much I hate Zandali. I just want to say one thing real quick. And I'm going to preface this with, uh, Zach, you're a great guy, and I like you. But I would rather watch a video of your suicide (laughs) than The Runner. (laughs) Uh, 
Well, you see, a video of my suicide would have a plot that you could follow that is interesting. Mm-hmm. That's uh, true. It wouldn't waste 90 minutes of your time. That's true, because th- this entire movie, I was hoping that at least we would get to see Nicolas Cage blow his brains out again. <laughs> yeah. But it didn't happen. Nope. Our Cage suicide count is sitting firmly at two. Is it only at two? Yeah, only two suicides. It was Bangkok oh. Dangerous and... Um, uh, USS Indianapolis. USS Indianapolis. Yeah, but but that's disturbing. Died. Fucking, oh, I fucked that up. Never mind. Got that. <laughs> Great job. Some might say it is rather <laughs> disturbing. Ooh, wah! Ooh, wah! Um, I was trying to comment on the suicide bit. Sorry. <laughs> see, I I really wish that uh, the USS Indianapolis movie wasn't based on a true story because suicide by shark would have been much more interesting. <laughs> um. But yeah, I, we do have five cage deaths in ten movies so far. So that's a he's got a fifty fifty death rate, um, and I, I expect that to go up from here. Mm. Yep. But uh, yeah, I think I think we're gonna take a short little break here, and uh, we'll come back to you with Trapped in Paradise. So, Bye. stick around for the next twenty seconds. <laughs> One hundred Dave Matthews Band members. Current, he would be in the top twenty-five. Yeah, for sure. He'd he'd for sure be in the the top quarter. Yeah, yeah. he got bumped up when the one guy died. So. <laughs> wow. Yeah, no, he's definitely the best rebounder in Dave, <laughs> in Matthews, the Dave Matthews Band. <laughs> Hey, if somebody uh, really f- fucking biffs a jam off the glass, he'll grab it. He'll pick it up. <laughs> he'll make it happen. Right, he just always finds the space between. <laughs> and that has been Trapped in Paradise. <laughs> Dave Matthews doesn't get enough credit in the whole, like, uh, Jarl crowd. Like the Scott Stapp, uh, Eddie Vedder type people. Yeah, he's like... a lot like we were discussing this. He's kind of like the guy from Five for Fighting and also the guy from The Fray. Yeah. Yeah, if you mix those two together, you get a, you get Dave Matthews. I can't stand to fly. I'm not there. Oh, that was pretty fucking good. Oh, I feel very confident about that. Let's keep that if that uh, is recorded. Hot take Dave Matthews is a virgin. <laughs> have you ever seen him fucking somebody? I haven't. <laughs> I've seen Kid Rock and Scott Stapp fucking somebody. Yeah. But not- each other? I don't know. I think it was like uh, strippers or something. But uh, was it the music industry? It was somebody. Whoa! Oh. Hey. Whoa! Come on, that's our future president and Scott Stapp. You're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me now if Kid Rock won the presidency. Oh man! When uh, when we were at C two E two, we I was walking past a booth and there was a guy standing there, uh, just wearing a shirt that said like Kid Rock for senate or something like oh, something God. insane and uh i was like i really hope this is not your booth because uh, i don't think anybody's buying whatever you're selling my friend uh mr rock what is your opinion on the pending trade war with china um bow what the bow the bang <laughs> bang diggy diggy now um what what do you have to say about uh, uh save a horse ride a cowboy yeah yeah <laughs> the classic, classic, i just i, I like the idea rock. of them starting the uh 
um, the State of the Union or whatever. And you know that that riff starts, and then he's just my like, name "My is name key. is Key." <laughs> what do you plan to do in your uh, first hundred days in office? Um, drink three on Alabama all summer long. <laughs> all right, we were smoking funny things. <laughs> and what's crazy is so many people would vote for him. So oh, yeah. many people, just because he's uh, not black. A recognizable name. Oh, yeah. Also that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. He's, uh, he's not a woman, so uh, he has the, uh, the simpleton vote. <laughs> Again, I voted for Shrek and Donkey once, so, I mean, I'd probably throw him a, throw him a ballot. <laughs> what state was that in again? Wait, what state is uh, Kane the wrestler, the fucking, <laughs> like, governor of? Isn't wait? He's a governor. He's like a mayor or something. Yeah. Is he really? What? I know Jesse Ventura was in oh, okay. Minnesota. Or uh, yeah, whatever. that's that's old news, bro. We're talking Kane. <laughs> Hold on, Kane. Wrestling. John McCain. <laughs> yeah. John McCain should have worn that mask. Uh, it's a sore subject for me because uh, I, I killed him. Uh, <laughs> true Maverick, man. Are we rolling? Yeah, we've been rolling for like 10 minutes. Oh, oh damn. Yeah, didn't you know that this turned into the just uh, Let's Talk Some Shit podcast? <laughs> the Let's Talk Some Shit podcast. I mean, First I tried up. to wow you guys, but... Well, uh, I guess we should be getting on topic. <laughs> yeah. We've been rolling for 10 minutes and talking about fucking nonsense. We are um, trapped in paradise now. Now, just a little bit about this movie. It came out in 1994. Good year. Hey, can I ask real quick, who all is on this podcast? Oh, yeah, oh, that's a thing that we forgot we, to do. We never do that, do we? Can we just... And what's it called, honestly? <laughs> can we well, just, Nick, like... Nick at least said the name of the podcast <laughs> at the top. I, yeah, I always do that. Uh, can we just, like, do a recording of, like, us saying who we are and then just insert that over and over again? <laughs> like, I don't like to introduce myself, you know? Uh, I'm trying to... We're sitting here with Zach. <laughs> There's Zach. I am Nick. Across and from I am me is Mike. Mr. Black. Mm-hmm. Mr. Black Mike. <laughs> um, and then Killer above Mike. us on the boards is the main man, Dave. And, Dr. Dave. Uh, Dave Matthews. <laughs> Dave. You might know some of Dave's work from uh, the Dave Matthews band. He's, uh, he's that Dave. Pop up the skirt a little more. We didn't say you could talk, Mr. Matthews. Um, <laughs> okay. He's uh, he's also David Draymond. I'd like to just go on the record and say, uh, if this is the worst episode of the podcast, it's none of our fault. Uh, I blame the movies. Oh yeah, there's not a lot going for it here. But <laughs> but if this is the best episode of the podcast, that's our fault. <laughs> yeah, we these movies definitely didn't carry anything. I feel like I'm losing my fucking mind right now, so I have no idea. <laughs> How this podcast is going right now. <laughs> well, allow me to uh, redirect us here. This film came out in 1994, as I said. Uh, it's rated PG-13, directed by George Gallo, who I believe is a rooster in disguise. Jo- George Gallo. <laughs> Bilingual joke. Uh, uh, that's produ- a good one. That's a good yeah. one. Produced by Permit Presentations. Permit with a U instead of an I. Um, they didn't, and it wasn't supposed to be that way. They just didn't. They, <laughs> they didn't, didn't get the permit. <laughs> uh, runtime of 111 minutes, <laughs> and uh, box office gross of six million dollars. I cannot find the budget online for some reason, but 
How many of you guys are really out here dying to know the budget? I mean, I am. That's that's my thing. But I mean, I do, I do like to know the budget, so I know um, how disappointed everybody who was involved in this movie <laughs> should be. Um, well, see, now I'm, I'm being mean. I did. I this 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 was definitely a, a lot better than the the runner, but we'll get oh. there. Yeah, it wasn't terrible. You guys are spoiling the vote. Mm. I'm not spoiling my vote. You know, I like to. I'm the fucking. Mm. I like to be I a wild card. With how we is reviewed the right word? Yeah, we, reviewed, we, we went over it. We but, yeah. Uh, how we kind of reviewed the runner? I think it's pretty clear how we're gonna be voting. We spent yeah. more time thinking about the runner than the people who made it. So. <laughs> I think well, that's a that's a review in itself. Here's one on Rotten Tomatoes. This got a ten percent, about half of what the runner got. So oh, I think shit. I'm gonna have to go with the critics now. I'm not a man of the people anymore. <laughs> Fuck the people. Are uh, you a bourgeois pig? <laughs> oh, you know it, my friend. I'm just a pig. <laughs> uh, workers of the world do not unite. You have everything to gain by putting back on your chains. Um, uh, I don't know. I find this communist imagery quite disturbing. <laughs> and I find Mr. Draymond's, uh, um, what is it, abuse solo <laughs> in, in that song to be quite disturbing. Hey, you know, uh, uh, you know how some people write songs about negative periods of their life, like being abused, and then some people reenact that period of their life in the bridge of the song. That is real art. Oh yeah. Well, anyway. uh, <laughs> that was. That was <laughs> I want to fucking die. I, I don't even know what I'm talking about over here. It's, that's good. Talking uh, about the history of down with the sickness. <laughs> Speaking of sickness, Trapped in Paradise, 1994. Audience rating of 40%. People like this a lot more than the critics did. Not all people, because uh, actually... What is this, a DC movie? Uh, no, 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 you can't do that. <laughs> what is this? Not... <laughs> Um, so uh, this movie was some topical reference, but Sonic the Hedgehog isn't even out yet. So uh, it could be. Uh, let's not date the podcast. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, this movie Man, was that Sonic movie was crazy. That Sonic movie was actually a lot better than people said it was going to be. The sex scene came out of nowhere. <laughs> as soon as I left Sonic the movie, the first thing I could say was Detective Pika who oh, <laughs> got yeah. him. Um, but yeah, so this movie was the reason that Kurt Cobain killed himself <laughs> in 1994. Um, the first thing I said when I left it was, uh, meow. <laughs> but, uh, meow. I'm sorry. Uh, this, this movie was the reason Kurt Cobain killed himself. <laughs> uh, should we, should I, should I throw the fun facts in here? I'm sorry, but okay. I feel like we've made that joke about another movie already. Uh, we did hey. something about Kurt Cobain's child army that, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's safe here on this podcast, although I would like to say um, that I should just go ahead and apologize, because if I recall correctly on the last episode, I called all Christians rapists, <laughs> and um, I, I am not, I'm not saying that that's not true. Uh, you've all, we, we've also made some comments about deaf people that, um, I'm not sorry about that. We've a lot of comments about a lot of different people. <laughs> hey. All, all in good fun. I would, uh, I would never, um, I would never say these things about people that actually mattered. Um, I, I just want to be clear that I would never say this stuff to these people's faces. 
what if this comes out and it's just me and you talking mad shit about people and Nick comes off as a saint? Mm. Uh, uh, you, you don't. Re- <laughs> did you guys not listen to the episodes that sent you <laughs> So that's kind of the whole point. Is me being good. I'm trying to launch a political career here. Oh, but. I knew it. So Nick has a app on his phone. It's a voice changer where he makes it sound like us, and then he says like Christians are rapists, <laughs> and I don't agree with that. I yeah, think we never even watched Left Behind. And yeah, I whatever other. Movie. I would first of all, I would never watch that <laughs> trash. Hey man, I'm just saying what you two are thinking <laughs> no offense to these not what uh, i'm thinking though <laughs> no offense to the christian rapists but i will not watch that so uh no offense to the christian <laughs> oh, uh, boy okay this well, is going swell uh, so trapped in paradise our fun facts on trapped in paradise um John Lovitz claimed uh, that the cast hated shooting this movie so much that they all referred to it as trapped in bullshit. Oh, damn. Is the first fun fact on IMDb, which I took personally because uh, this movie is very charming, in my opinion. Um, so fuck you guys. Uh, <laughs> you said anything yet. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, for the record, we have, pod, uh, we have conversations that are not on this podcast. And I keep saying what? that... Often during the break. (laughs) I keep saying that I don't want to talk to either of you when the mics aren't hot. And I keep saying I don't want to talk to either of you. And I'm saying... (laughs) (laughs) Um, So yeah, Trapped in Bullshit. Um, So here's another fun one. The town, because it had to appear that the characters were trapped in paradise. um, And they didn't want to use... Bill Snow, they custom made. Now let me get this number right: seventy-five thousand pounds of biodegradable potato flakes. <laughs> what? How many people could that have fed? Do you think? Good old potato flakes. <laughs> seventy-five thousand pounds of potato flakes was the true star of this movie. Yeah, I mean that's some serious potato production. That might have. That might have been what caused the Irish potato <laughs> like and honestly huh. uh, I know that um, they were except it was the Bucks a because they beat the Celtics get it because <laughs> very topical I'm gonna date this motherfucker and say that uh, Kyrie Irving caused the Irish potato famine <laughs> Kyrie Irving who uh, when this podcast gets released will be on the New York Knicks um, anyway <laughs> So, yeah, 75,000 pounds of potato flakes in this movie. Um, Also, I never really uh, put a lot of thought into the fact that they couldn't leave Paradise. And I know know it was supposed to be a plot point, but it it didn't really seem like it was. It seemed like they had they did it and then they went back and like, I don't know. Did they go to that gas station or whatever? Mm hmm. Well, it was still in the city limits. Who knows? To begin with, it wasn't even clear that they were in paradise at, at one point. When they got there, well, I guess I'm getting into the plot summary here. But uh, when they got there and robbed the bank, I thought they were still on the way to paradise and they were not there yet. I like, was very confused about the whole uh, itinerary that they had. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I wasn't fully sure what the plot was. I, I got I got a loose uh, understanding of the plot, but where they were and why was never I was never really sure about. Yeah, I got a loose understanding of the plot, though. I will say, as we go through the summary, I was kind of drunk watching this movie. So, <laughs> oh yeah, uh, Nick watched this on his birthday, um, and it is the best present that you could ever ask for. If it's your if your wonderful. birthday's coming up. 
pop this one in the old VHS player. Yeah. Have a Even good though day. it's a Christmas movie, which I don't know if we said that yet, but Oh, we didn't. It, it's uh, uh it's pretty evergreen. You can you can watch it any yeah. time of the year. Just like your Christmas tree. Yeah. <laughs> um and you know, my favorite Christmas tradition is to get seventy five thousand pounds of potatoes, shred them down, <laughs> get those flakes, pile it up in the corner. Yeah. Um. So the final fun fact that I have, um, which is not fun if you're the director of this movie, because you're about to get called out. Oh. According to John Lovitz, director George Gayo did not actually direct much of the movie, and uh, he told the cast to do whatever they wanted. Uh, and in which case, uh, w- there was a lot of scenarios where the director just plan plain didn't want to direct the movie. And so Nicolas Cage picked up the slack. Oh so, man. Cage's first directing credit. Possibly. <laughs> possibly. He, not, uh, not, he didn't get credited for it, but in reality, huh? Yeah. So, uh, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say directed by Nicolas Cage. Hey, I think so. Uh, yeah, everybody associated with this movie seems to hate it. Yeah. Um, it shows. We're about to be associated with it. Do we hate it? Yes. Let's Maybe. find out. Maybe a little bit. Uh, so, a plot summary. Okay. So, this is going to be a little long-winded. Uh, I don't know if the listener has watched a lot of comedies from this era of the early 90s or the late 80s, but they were generally just a series of kind of uh, barely connected, wacky events that led from one end to the other. So, it's like... You know, if you don't lay out all the wacky events along the way, you won't understand how you got from point A to point B. But a lot of them are actually rather inconsequential to the plot. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> one of those things where like, uh, and I don't know what the actual metric is because I'm not a big old Hollywood writer or whatever. But there's got to be like a laugh every you know five pages <laughs> or whatever. And so uh, every fifth page of the script, they'll be like, "Hey, uh, what if they fucking fell into a vat of gravy or something <laughs> weird like that?" There's got to be a laugh every five pages, and coincidentally, on this movie, the copy machine fucked up on every fifth page. (laughs) (laughs) This this movie did come off as, let's make a comedy, and they started writing the script out, getting the plot, and making a line through where they have to go, and then they forgot to put all the jokes in. Yeah. See, I I felt like it was they they came out they came up with the the basic premise from like hey what if these guys robbed a bank and then they get trapped and then they meet the people that they robbed in there and then they were like uh, hey there's got to be more than uh, one page of content here <laughs> um, and so and that's what they're like let's just pile potato flakes on it <laughs> let's just get potato flakes they, they actually they got a bunch of that's how this movie started they got seventy five thousand pounds of Idaho potato flakes and like what the fuck are we gonna do with all these goddamn potatoes and then one of them was like guys guys and he just <laughs> ran over a, like a gingerbread man and started sprinkling potato flakes and it's like it's snow it's snow <laughs> now picture these people standing in the snow bank robbers right but it's funny who makes the best bank robber John Lovitz oh yeah hey you know what Anybody who's been on SNL in any capacity. I really like that church lady. Oh, that church lady. She should rob a bank. Cage is a good criminal because he stole my heart in several films up to this point. Well, I assume he will in several films in the future. (laughs) And this is the part of the podcast where we get sentimental. Uh, (laughs) I just really love Nicolas Cage. Nicolas Cage, if you're listening, hit us up. If you 
need a couple bucks. Uh, don't <laughs> sign on for the runner too. I'll fucking lend you a twenty spot. You know what I'm saying? Just, yeah. Come talk to me, man. Yeah. We'll have fun. There's always a spot open on my couch for the cage, man. We could totally write a better crappy Nicolas Cage movie than a lot of these. Oh yeah, I've got experience up to this point. Or like, uh, I mean, we we've seen enough movies to be able to come up with at least a halfway decent one utilizing his skills that we've seen. Yeah, so. and a lot of these movies have proved that you can assemble a plot on almost nothing. Just just kind of toss shit together. As long as in our movie, Nicolas Cage yells out, Hi fucking ya! Exactly. That's actually the name of the movie. Uh, <laughs> Hi fucking ya, Hobo with a Shotgun 2, <laughs> Electric Boogaloo. Well, uh, uh, getting into the plot summary here. Uh, Potato flakes. I, I don't know how long Potato. we've been talking about this movie without actually saying anything about it. Oh, okay. We're about 15 minutes in. All right. All right. Dandy. Dandy. Um, we open on a wallet being kicked around on the street during Christmas time in New York City. Very comically. Oh, yeah. Also, with banana, no one looking banana, down, banana. but hitting this wallet with force. <laughs> yeah. It's just, uh, it's just flopping down the stairs of the subway, and who spots it? But the cage himself. The cage. Mm. He picks it up and he finds like $800 in it. And he's like sitting there going, ooh, oh man, oh, oh. And then you know, next scene. pounds of potato flakes this could buy me? <laughs> <laughs> that scene goes on for a real long time, too. It yeah. does. I feel it, it, it's, I think it's trying pretty hard to be like a weird like slapsticky opening to a comedy. Like, hey, look, we're having fun right off that look at this wallet. but it wasn't like funny like i i feel like that it was this movie. wallets are hilarious i mean oh. look at this oh, <laughs> wait for, drop for it the... drop it <laughs> oh it's getting kicked around that's that's fucking crazy that's uh, fucking crazy i'm gonna have to clean up my piss for, for, for the all listener you and the engineer i pulled out a wallet for all you listeners out there grab the nearest wallet throw it on the ground Comedy tell gold. me that's not funny Tell me that. Tell I me mean, that's Andy not better Samberg than. Andy knew it was really funny to throw things on the ground. Exactly. So. Tell me that's throwing not a wallet. His dad. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me that throwing a wallet on the ground isn't funnier than the past fucking ten seasons of SNL. <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, deep cuts. Got him. Got him. Got him. Um, well, so anyways, <laughs> anyways, we cut to a uh, cage in a confessional. And he's saying he mailed the wallet, but he considered stealing the money from it. And then the priest, who is reading the newspaper during the confession, because... No, funny. he's doing a crossword. Oh, yeah, doing a crossword. Oh, yeah. yeah. And lest we not forget, the last time we saw Mr. Cage in a confessional, he was sexually assaulting a woman. <laughs> yeah, so true. this is a nice change of pace. It's a really good well, change of pace. We enter the scene halfway through. We don't know what he did before. That's true. The, scene, the camera started rolling. That's true. Because we learn when he exits the confessional booth that it's the church is full of people. <laughs> um, uh, also, we, God, well, we I find hate out. <laughs> yeah, that, that scene was rough. But, um, and this has given me PTSD flashbacks. I hate to that, that movie like, so much. Needed, we need trigger warnings in movies with Cage that have. Uh, uh, confessional boost in them now because yeah. like I, I don't want to remember that. Um, so yeah, the the priest there's some things in there. Oh yeah, yeah. the priest says his the priest tells him that his uh, brother is just got released from prison because there's a there's an overcrowding problem and anybody who's eligible for parole has a chance to get out early. Hmm. Um, and that's when he busts out of the confessional booth and everybody in the church turns around and looks at him as he grabs the newspaper from this uh 
priest that uh, oh, yeah. definitely was uh, left behind <laughs> when it comes to morals. You know what I'm saying? Bam! Cut to Dana Carvey and John Lovitz being released from prison. And uh, we find out that Dana Carvey is a kleptomaniac, which becomes his main identifying character trait throughout the whole film. Um, his only identifying <laughs> character trait. It's true. And then uh, Cage is picking them up. Oh, and uh, John Lovitz is a liar. Yeah, oh, yeah. He, he is physically incapable of telling the truth. <laughs> well, uh, Which, which uh, getting ahead of myself a little, that's the thing they identify John Lovitz as right away. Is that, like, you lie all the time, you can never say the truth. And right away off the top of the movie, it's like, oh yeah, I got this letter. Everyone just believes him. Yeah, I didn't get that. Like, it, <laughs> His thing is that he's a liar, but they're all going to believe him. They're all like, I feel like you're lying to me. But okay, I'm just going to do this anyways because we wouldn't have a plot otherwise. Yeah, like, uh, and like Nicholas Cage like throws the letter out right away, but he's like, I have another letter. And like, he's like, okay, I guess we're still doing it. Oh. Well, yeah. And then uh, meanwhile, you have Dana Carvey in the background just putting stuff in his pocket. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, this is uh, your mom's house. Uh, I don't ha, know if he actually funny. did his mom's house, but yeah. But yeah. Uh, John Lovitz wants Cage to take them to Paradise, Pennsylvania to visit a friend he has in prison there, and Cage refuses. Then uh, they stop somewhere, and Carvey is just stealing from a register in some shop. The cops chase them into a back alley, and Cage like impersonates a detective in saying like he's arresting them already. Go, get out of here. Which, I don't think the cops would just do that. <laughs> I don't think they just leave, because there's a guy who's... Yeah, he like showed I, him his wallet. Oh yeah, and we all know wallets are hilarious. True. Uh, he couldn't fucking contain himself. His sides were busting, so he didn't even have time to verify whether or not Cage was a cop or not, because Cage was also yelling. So he just wanted to either laugh or get out of there. Um, but yeah, uh, Cage takes him home to see their mom, who they who love it shows the letter and she starts crying about it because it's the guys talking about how like I'm never gonna see my daughter again. I just gotta see someone like or something. Yeah. I, I can't so they also point out that they're all supposed to be brothers, correct? Yeah, yeah, the Ferpa brothers. They look nothing alike. Not a single thing about them in common. They don't look alike at all. Dana Carvey, John Lovitz, and Nicholas Cage. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I'm just gonna come out and say this. I thought their chemistry was fantastic. I loved it. Oh, yeah. Was it, though? I thought the three of them together as a lovable gang of misfits was a wonderful time. I, 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 I said it was okay. I said it. But uh, I, 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 I was a little John bit Lovitz. drunk and bitter that I was watching this on my birthday <laughs> <laughs> and, and uh, wanted to get through it. <laughs> but uh, I, I love John Lovitz. But man, was he not funny in this movie. Mm. I thought he was maybe my favorite part of this movie. Maybe. I don't know. He had like three lines that I could consider jokes, and they weren't even that good. I, yeah, I mean, he, it was fun. I, you know what? I I'm like, a, I'm I a real him sucker. more than Dana Carvey in oh, this movie. Dana Carvey, Dana Carvey just, was just annoying. Dana Carvey was, was just kind of annoying. He kind of went with a weird character choice and then just tried to ride on that throughout the whole movie, and it wasn't all that funny in the first place. Um, but I felt like he kept going back and forth on being like, oh, my character's an idiot. No, he just steals shit. Like, oh, but maybe he's an idiot. He makes a funny face, and that reminds you that he's it, and he's going to steal something. <laughs> uh, but what I was going to say is that, I, I don't know, I'm a real sucker for these like uh, 90s comedy movies, 
And uh, compared to like uh, your left behinds and your Zandalies, <laughs> when I started watching this movie, I was just fucking relieved to have something l- that was intentionally lighthearted and like just not about him fucking God knows <laughs> who or what. And so, uh, yeah, I didn't hate it. Um, but yeah, I, I, they don't look anything like brothers. Um, I feel like really the only prerequisite for casting them was like, hey, these guys are, these guys are cool to fun. They're fun to look at. Guys look, at these, look at these funny guys and stuff. They're doing stuff. They're making <laughs> jokes. They're doing a bank are, ride. Are they though? I don't, I, so there was, I, I didn't write this uh, down, uh, but there was something happened in that bank robbery scene that, uh, was it where John Lovitz goes, okay, now let's all do yoga. Cause that was the part that made me chuckle. That was funny. So, the, so, okay, let's, let's, we'll let's, back okay, a little bit. Continue. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. Cage is the manager at some restaurant and Lovitz shows up while he's working and saying, like, says the cops are chasing him. Um, which again, know. John Lovitz, known liar. Yeah, known liar. His and, family uh, just doesn't care. He uh, Cage runs with him to the car, and they all take off, losing the cops, and Dana Carvey's in the car already. So uh, they call their mom, and she tells them the cops are at her house, and they should just make sure to stay out of New York so they don't get arrested. want to specify for this scene, too. It's John Lovitz is the only one on the phone, so oh, yeah. you only hear John Lovitz's side, and he's yeah. like, what's that, Mom? The cops are there, and they're looking for my brother? Mm-hmm. Oh, man, you're saying we shouldn't go home? Mm-hmm. And it's like, Nicolas Cage, are you an idiot? Yeah. Like, come on. What is he, a fucking retard, man? Is he, is he a, a fucking retard? <laughs> uh, well, that's that's post-bank robbery, right? The, no, the that's phone. all free. Because I, I thought the phone call was at the house with the... Uh, there's multiple phone calls. Okay. Uh, this right. is the one where after you left the restaurant and they were okay. like, oh, no, we can't go. Let's go deliver this letter. Oh, right, right. So they're they're going to um, fucking Pennsylvania, Paradise, they're, Pennsylvania. Yeah, they're going to Paradise, Pennsylvania to visit the daughter of somebody that they were in prison with. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, also, I don't know how they con- were in prison with this guy, but he's in a different prison than they just got released from. <laughs> don't, don't worry about it. Um, and um, so they go to Paradise, Pennsylvania, looking for Sarah something or another, and they find out that she works at this bank, um, which turns out to be uh, a very poorly uh, protected bank. The easiest bank to steal from ever. They, they walk in. To this yeah. bank, and they see that the security cameras aren't plugged in, and security it's very visible in. that they're not plugged in because <laughs> the cord is just hanging directly <laughs> and it's like from at the, the door. Plug <laughs> the shit in. Uh, <laughs> at least hide it. Like I don't know. They have a security guy who's like eight hundred years old, and he's asleep by the door, and they're literally peddling in bags of cash. Mm. Uh, yeah, like I think the scene is like Nicholas Cage, like there's no money in this bank, and then that's what like comically these. Yeah. Delivery driver's talking, and they're just like, I've got $200,000 in cash. <laughs> Did somebody order three bags of money? Uh, uh, but actually, Cage... Oh, sorry. Uh, I was just going to say that uh, there probably wasn't money in those bags uh, for... For the purpose of looking realistic, they probably filled it with seventy-five thousand pounds of potato flakes. Yeah, because uh, they they had, they had a they had a couple pounds of potato flakes laying around. So yeah, they, why they use real lot. money? 
I mean, that's the perfect stuffing at this point. You've got 75,000 pounds of it. Can you imagine that? Like, I don't think this building weighs 75,000 pounds. It also works as actual stuffing. Yeah. It does. Like, a very, not, not, not a bad stuffing either. Um, it can go into a turkey pretty easily. But, hey, um, if, there was a, if there was a friggin' blizzard of uh, garlic salt, I wouldn't hate it. <laughs> So uh, maybe I'm not going to lie here. I was a little confused about a lot of plot points here because I was a couple whiskeys deep. But uh, well, this was, was very that lady Sarah, confusing. Was that lady Sarah, was that supposed to be the daughter of the guy that they went to prison with? Because yeah. if so, okay, that's a fucking revelation for me. It makes way more sense that Cage knows who she was now. I thought they like went to high school or something because it was just like Cage is like, you're this lady? And she's like, yeah, do I know you? And he's like, no. <laughs> I just know your name. Which is kind of like the cage seduction technique. We've seen it a while now. It's a stare down of a lady that doesn't know him. Is this poetry? <laughs> yeah, basically she is the daughter of this convict who has moved to this town and changed her name so as not to be associated with him. Oh, um, okay. I completely... Yeah, I yeah, I'd had too much to drink, guys. <laughs> I think uh, don't I worry. thought that the prisoner was in this town and I was like, why didn't they go to the prison? I'm so confused. Uh, don't the, worry, the, you didn't miss out on anything. <laughs> okay. There was uh there's another plot point that I was even more confused about that's coming up. But okay, so they they go in the bank, they see it's poorly protected. There is fucking cash well, everywhere. I what, Oh, sorry. What were you saying? I, I wanted to say that when he talks to Sarah, the first thing he asks her is, are you married? Which is a little <laughs> weird of a thing to ask immediately upon meeting someone. And she walks up like, no. <laughs> he, he walks into a bank. He finds the prettiest woman there. And he, one, establishes that he knows who she is <laughs> and then asks if she's taken. So that's a good start. Um, meanwhile, you have... Uh, John Lovitz and Dana Carvey that are like cock blocking him basically, and they they keep coming in and uh, they're he's trying lying. to. He's He's stealing shit. Yeah, he's he's he steals like a fucking handful of pens and stuff. Oh he yeah, steals Dana every... Carvey. It says like take a free pen. It's Christmas, and he takes them all. And yeah, then... he takes a gingerbread ornament off a tree. Yeah, classic klepto shit. Mm-hmm. He... John Lovitz is like, oh, he has diabetes, and we were scared of his blood sugar. Oh yeah! It's like, Haha, I'm lying. Oh, remember the pickup line he uses though, when he he says to Sarah, uh, "I told him to find the sweetest thing in here," no. and she for some reason doesn't immediately suck his wiener. <laughs> um, what a bitch, right? Oh my god! You don't even get me started. Um, oh god! So, yeah, they they. <laughs> Don't make me take you to a confessional. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, God. Please don't make me think of that. Okay, please uh, cut that post. <laughs> All right. It's going to stay in. <laughs> um, Just like in the confessional. <laughs> oh, no. Mamma mia. Um, yeah. So, like, Lovitz, Lovitz has scoped out this bank and realized that it's very poorly... Uh, yeah. Protected, and, and then you see the friggin' dollar signs in Nicolas Cage's eyes. Who I thought was a, I don't know. Did if, he? Am I, I s- thought that that wasn't because they're driving away, and then like Lovitz is like, "What would you say if I had a shitload of guns in the trunk, and we should rob that bank?" <laughs> <laughs> and then Nicolas Cage is like, "No, I don't want to rob. Well, you have a gun? Like what the fuck?" And then he opens it, and it's a briefcase full of guns. Can I point uh, out more of an arsenal 
than Arsenal. <laughs> yes, much more yes. of an Arsenal than there, Arsenal. There uh, was an Arsenal, period. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I guess I was a little confused on where exactly Nicolas Cage did his heel turn because I was like. I don't know if I was supposed to assume he was a straight man, I but he was he the was, one not in prison. Yeah, yeah I thought like, he was supposed to be a good guy because, like, we show he didn't even take the money from that wallet that he found. He went right. to a he has uh, a real job and dropped like, it in a mailbox. He went to a church to confess that he thought about taking the money from the wallet. So, like, but, it made him seem like he's a good guy. He but, lied in the confession. Uh, <laughs> dun, dun, dun. This guy's gonna rob a fucking bank. <laughs> <laughs> You lie to a man of God, you're down to rob a bank. Oh, yeah. if you if you lie to a man of God, you might as well fucking kill your mother and use her corpse as a Christmas tree. <laughs> a tree. It's, it's a Christmas movie, and uh, oh, okay, I just uh, sounded sexy. So, <laughs> so yeah, they they go back to rob the bank because Cage reluctantly agrees. Uh, and well, they they go buy a bunch of ski masks and sunglasses from some store. Naturally, like you do. Three guys walking in, they all want three ski masks and three sunglasses. <laughs> and uh, Dana so Carvey naturally, steals some shit. Yeah, that naturally, yeah. Dana Carvey starts stealing something, and Cage is like, "We're about to rob a bank. Cut cut that shit out. We can't draw more attention." And then. Well, yeah, the guys they, up front at the counter are like, these guys are going to rob a bank. <laughs> <laughs> Look at it. They've got, like, you know, ski masks and sunglasses. One of them asked me how to shit? crack a safe code. <laughs> so, um, then they try to rob the bank in the most unorganized fashion possible. And this is probably my favorite scene of the movie. It's I think definitely it's definitely the funny. best scene of the movie. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, so they they attempt to rob the bank, but the owner or whatever of the bank, the guy who's got the big key to the big vault, yeah. uh, is across the street having lunch. Yeah. <laughs> and his yeah. wife's there telling him them all this. Right. The wife is there to detail all of this, so we're all on the same page. So Nicolas Cage goes across the street with the wife, I think, right? Yes. Mm. To point out the husband. Right. Um, so you have that going on. Meanwhile, uh, John Lovitz is trying to keep everybody calm by doing yoga in the bank. Uh, yeah, he's like, everyone hands up and now breathe deeply. <laughs> yeah, it was, I, I don't know. I thought it was it silly, was, yeah. It I, was, I it was that. Yeah, and he had a couple of jokes like, show of hands, like raise your hand if this yeah. is this <laughs> your first robbery. Yeah. Um, but they, uh, I, I thought it was kind of funny too when they go into the restaurant across the street and Cage is like, this is a robbery. And like the waitress goes to the register and he's like, what are you doing? She's like, you're robbing me. I'm getting you the money. And he's like, I'm robbing a bank. And she's yeah, like, but this is a restaurant. <laughs> like, that, that was pretty funny. This ain't a bank. This is a restaurant. <laughs> what the heck? Have I been taking orders at a bank this whole time? Uh, so, yeah, so then Nicolas Cage gets the dude he's looking for, but he, he's about to leave it. Dana Carvey is there now, and he's like, uh, aren't any of these people going to call the police? So Nicholas Cage decides, okay, let's take this entire full-packed restaurant it is, to the bank now. It is full. He corrals everybody. They cross the street as one big group. Nobody, no passersby That's suspicious. are uh, questioning the fact that a man in a ski mask with a gun is uh, bringing all these people into a bank. Um and uh yeah so they uh they massacre them all is that what happened next that would have been way more interesting they shot them all in the <laughs> face killed them 
No, they they end up robbing the bank. One of the guy, uh, the they get the guy with the key at gunpoint to go up and open the vault, and they pull out the money, and it's like two hundred and fifty thousand dollars or something. Yeah. Um, as they're exiting, they do this bit that I think was supposed to be funny, but I just didn't really get. Is yeah. where like Dana Carvey is the uh, getaway getaway driver, driver yeah. but he like takes off without the other two and they're just like running down the street following him and they do that like three times yeah i didn't understand why he kept hitting the the <laughs> gas there maybe i, I was drunk and um eating I th- pretzels i think uh his instincts were kicking in and he was like trying to steal the car it's <laughs> always stealing stuff he's uh, like wait i'm in a car drive <laughs> i don't know i just i didn't find it funny and it like it was just like why are you doing this man yeah that was a that was a strange bit kind of uh unnecessary um so then um i think uh, this is the point in the movie where i may have dozed off a bit for the next like 15 to 25 minutes oh yeah well in those next minutes (laughs) uh we see a prisoner back in prison it's presumably the guy who wrote the letter whose daughter they're going to see is informed that some guys robbed the bank in paradise and he gets really mad and he's just like Oh, it's them. It's those two. It's it's John Lovitz and Dana Carvey. <laughs> yeah, apparently everybody in this prison knows that there's this one bank in Paradise, Pennsylvania that's super easy to rob. We find out later it's just one day out of the year that this happens. Hmm. Uh and for some reason every single fucking person in the prison knows it and so yeah. they're like, "Hey, I bet you it was the two guys who just left this prison." Because that's who it has to be for this movie to make sense. (laughs) So they get so mad that they break out of prison and and go out looking for the brothers. Uh, uh, Meanwhile, a freak blizzard is occurring, which apparently aids them in their escape. And uh, also from that, uh, we see the feds are called into paradise to investigate the bank robbery. I think it's the FBI. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, and uh, so during this freak blizzard, the three brothers are lost and driving in circles, and uh, a cop sees them and tries to pull them over. Uh, So uh, they run from them, and they accidentally lose the cops by spinning out and falling off a bridge, and the cop just rolls by. (laughs) I, I, I don't know why the cop wouldn't notice that. It's hard not to notice a car flipping over a bridge and going like, don't worry about it. Hey, you know what? Uh, it's it's this freaking blizzard. I can't see a gosh darn potato thing. flakes. <laughs> it's all these gosh darn potato flakes. I can't see a freaking yeah. thing. See, snow would melt <laughs> when it hits the windshield, but these potato flakes, they just keep getting caught in the blades. <laughs> oh my god, there's fucking there's so much starch on my windshield. <laughs> and uh well, some guy sees the crash and then pulls over and says, like, are you guys okay? Doesn't seem to take note of the cop that just sped by. And he's like, you guys okay? Come on. I'll pick you up and we'll go back to my parents' place. I Okay, I, I've just got to ask, though, about this guy. If you saw a car flip down the side of the highway, yeah, I'd stop and at, try and help them. But I wouldn't just drive away. I'd, like, wait for, like, police to show up and file, like, an accident report or something. I don't just take them and, like, leave a flipped car there and, hey. like, never think twice about this it This is again. before cell phones. Yeah. <laughs> if you're a good Samaritan, you got to get these guys in some new clothes and they can fucking buy a new car uh, in spring. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I guess I did forget that this is before cell phones. Ah, uh, wow. I'm dumb. <laughs> okay. This is actually before uh, phones even existed. Uh, <laughs> well, except for that phone call. <laughs> <laughs> it 
was that John Lovitz just holding phone. his hand. Only it was phone uh, in the it world. was two cans in a string. <laughs> One uh, half of the only phone in the world. <laughs> um, and uh, he drives them back to their parents' house, who happen to be the owners of the bank they just robbed. Aw, who? Aw, oh, shucks. And, uh, what are the chances? The uh, the daughter of the prisoners, Sarah, the lady they came to see, apparently rents a room upstairs from the owners of the bank. Yep. So, so the gang's all here. Yeah, look at that. Every relevant character happens to be <laughs> in this room now. Yeah, um, and then, so yeah, she comes down and uh, Nicholas Cage is like, quick reminder, I'm trying to fuck you, and uh, we did not rob a bank. Mm-mm. They And they bring up the bank robbery and, uh, you know, Cage, Lovitz, Carvey all uh, nervously look at each other, which doesn't seem suspicious to anybody involved, even though these are the same amount of people that robbed the bank. Uh, really <laughs> same build. In this small town where everybody seems to know each other, it's three people from out of town <laughs> who are outsiders that they don't know. Who were seen <laughs> in the bank that morning out of mask. <laughs> like the the you're grasping at straws here. The guy recognizes them like, oh hey, you were in the bank this morning, and Nicolas Cage looks like he just shit his own dick out. <laughs> and then of course the 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 bank guy's wife is just the sweetest lady in the entire world, and she flat out says, "Let's not accuse these guys of robbing the bank." I, I like how lighthearted they are too. Like their business just got fucking robbed of two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, which we like, find out at the the. Dinner that follows will put them completely out of business. (laughs) Yeah, but they're so happy about it. They are so happy-go-lucky about the fact that they have nothing left. (laughs) Yeah, it's yeah. So they. they But hey, it's Christmas. The the bank owner makes loans without asking for any sort of collateral. Uh, so essentially, like if the debt, the buyer can't pay back the loan, he has nothing. Uh, which is, I mean. Maybe that's good for the town. All right. He he had all the cash on hand because he persuaded people in town to open Christmas accounts with him. So they get that little bit of extra earned interest at the end of the year for Christmas gifts to buy for everybody. And this is all kind of played off as heartwarming and good for the people of the town. But to me, sounds like some shady business practices <laughs> that should honestly like have been dealt with. <laughs> like, He's know. like, ah, oh, heck. <laughs> now they're going to find out that I, I let it, literally everybody have a loan. You know, like... <laughs> They're going to find out that I don't really have security cameras set up or... Yeah, it's... Well, making loans without collateral to people who can't pay them back is kind of what caused the 08 financial crash. <laughs> and and like, this I'm was foreshadowing. This fucking family, Paradise, Pennsylvania, was the start of it all. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Um. Anyways... Uh, the brothers find all this out, and they feel really bad about robbing them, so they just nervously kind of leave the house. They're like, well, we gotta get going. It's been nice being here. We didn't make any calls regarding our accident. <laughs> we'll just walk out into these potato flakes. Uh, yeah. uh, oh, wait. Uh, we do find out at the house, or they see the, the prisoners that escaped on television, um, oh, yeah. and they tried to uh, divert the, the people's attention. Um, oh yeah, and then they also get a call from their yeah, mom. They get that phone call. Who is just uh, the 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 prisoners are at their mom's house, and they're like, "We want that money from the goddamn bank robber. You better give it to us, or we're gonna do some terrible things to your mother, gentlemen." Yeah. Uh, so John Lovitz finds out that their mother is being held hostage and will be killed if they don't get the money, and he does not tell the other two. Um, so hmm. they have no idea this is happening. Yeah. Yeah, he just kind of leaves that fact out. 
because he wants the money, I guess. Right. But uh, uh, so they show up at a bus station to get some tickets home. Uh, they they've got a duffel bag with the money. Uh, all the money from the bank robbery is about to be searched, and uh, Cage or they're being confronted by two dudes who I think were the ski mask salesmen or something. Yeah. So they were the the ski mask salesmen who were uh deputized for their bravery for some reason. I was not. Cl- That's the part that I confused the shit out of me. I thought they were cops because I didn't realize that they were ski mask salesmen until I went back after all this and read the Wikipedia plot summary. Honestly, I, I thought that they were like. <laughs> I um, thought they were bad guys. I thought yeah. they were two prisoners that the these escapees had on the outside or something. Hmm. Until, yeah, at the, at this point, um, the FBI, they're well, they're they're about to get on a bus back to New York, um. The FBI happens to be there yeah. uh, and happens to want to look in Nicolas Cage's bag, which has the $250,000 in it. Mm. Uh, so when those two guys come up, the ski mask guys who are trying to get the money, I guess, they're trying to steal it because they know that they just robbed the bank. They yeah. heard about the bank robbery and they've got guns. I think Nicolas Cage pulls a gun from one of them and fires it at the he, ground. Yeah, he just secretly shoots it at the ground to create a gunshot and cause a distraction. And then he just yells in the sky, oh, my God, a gun, and then starts running, which was kind of funny, I thought. Yeah, he, he grabs the and then he yeah he grabs the bag. He runs. Uh, this is and that's when they mentioned that these two guys who, like I said, thought were I thought were convicts or something. Uh, they refer to them as deputies because they were just. Guys who were deputized, but of course I didn't realize that, so I thought they were cops, and I wasn't sure why they were doing any of this. Yeah, oh, I was oh, very confused by it. I reminds they were me, cops. we skipped past it, but like when they entered the city, they almost like run over a horse cop and oh, like, yeah. falls out, and they oh yeah, they explicitly say like, oh that cop's retarded, <laughs> oh, yeah. and like another cop comes by and it's like, hey man, like this guy's like he's not all there, so like be cool. <laughs> Yeah. It's like, why did you add this to this I movie? I have no idea. Uh, ableism was just commonplace in the 90s. I guess. <laughs> yeah, and then when they said that about that cop, they were pointing to the horse. <laughs> yeah, so when they, uh, after Cage creates that distraction, they run off and they steal a rowboat and try to take the river home to New York. That's uh, that's how you do it. Uh, and let's uh, refresh everybody's memory. There's a blizzard happening. Uh, so the water, a little chilly. And uh, Dana Carvey falls off the yep. boat. He falls off the boat and drifts up river, and he's rescued by some random townsfolk who take him and the other brothers to warm up and dry off. Um, then they take him to a church where they run into that bank-owning family again. And, yes. Uh, and, and the lady Sarah. Sarah and Cage end up talking, and you can tell at this point this is going to be a horribly forced love story with actually no reason for them to hook up at all. And it's going to happen. And you know it's going to happen. And, oh, yeah. But, uh, they keep coming back to it. Uh, nobody's rooting for them to end up together because it doesn't Make matter sense. at all. Um, and then, well, they, they're talking and she says, like, I can tell she says to Cage, I can tell you've done something wrong that you regret. And Cage is like, yeah, do you think people can change? And then tries to kiss her and she's like what are you doing rightfully because what the <laughs> fuck they've interacted like uh, they've Cage at a church <laughs> they've just, interacted yeah. twice they're not even flirting a little bit or like anything he just goes for it and she's like what the fuck are you doing what's wrong with you um wait is this the part where she's like i know you robbed the bank 
No, I don't think she says that yet. But, um, Let's uh, pretend she does, though. Oh, okay. Uh, but I know hey, you robbed my heart. Also, That's why I can't kiss you. I'm saving it for marriage. Well, maybe she did say that. I don't know. I, I thought she didn't figure that out until way later in the movie. But I don't think it really matters. Yeah, it the, doesn't fucking matter. The two things that confused me the most were, one, the setting, because it was so back and forth, I never really knew where the fuck we were supposed to be. At any time. Uh, at any time, or where they were in relation to the bank and all that stuff, or their mom's house. And the other thing that uh, that confused me was that the whole relationship between, like, Sarah, her her dad's a convict, she's talking to Cage, and for some reason, she... uh she has like the inside scoop mm. or something. I, I just yeah. everything about this was pretty confusing. Yeah, it, it was a confusing movie and hard to follow. And that's why I had to read the plot summary afterwards to fill some gaps in that I wasn't getting. I thought it was just because I was drunk, but it's it's good to know <laughs> that. Else. Yeah, it's just I like uh, I don't know. Comedy movies sometimes uh, try to string you along uh, plot wise and. This was definitely an example of that. I also want to just point out, too, like, throughout all these scenes, there hasn't really been jokes being told or anything. It's just, here we are. Yeah, it's... it's Isn't this a wacky situation? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, it doesn't seem like there's any actual, like, joke jokes. They're just trying to show, oh, this situation's pretty crazy, isn't it? And you're supposed to kind of laugh at that, but... Yeah, which I guess it, it but definitely... But cast two, like... SNL funny guys. Yeah. Well, I think like th- it makes sense that the director was like, "I don't give a shit. Do whatever you want," because mm. he like he knows these guys are funny. Uh, there's no jokes in the script apparently, so he's just like, "Hey, uh, maybe this movie can be carried by their funny voices." Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, it it. That was all that this movie had going for it. Yeah. it. Like it wasn't jokes, but it was like I did find it charming. Uh, it was I chuckled a few times. Uh, but then once you get lost in the plot, it's hard to like. <laughs> you're you're either waiting to be updated on what the fuck's happening and why, mm-hmm. or you're waiting for like some comic relief. I th- I think maybe I wouldn't be as hard on this movie if it wasn't two hours long. Yeah, yeah. There was it was definitely, yeah, it definitely bloated. Is a little overlong. Um, there was uh, obviously plenty of stuff that um, even just that we've discussed that could be easily cut out of the movie. This this could very easily be just like a ninety minute comedy. Full stop. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, I guess uh, one thing that I was. It, it, it yeah there's a lot of useless nonsense in here kind of um i mean for instance like a lot of the antics are just kind of dumb random stuff that it's like, like the same things over and over again yeah it's like oh he's stealing and he's gonna lie about it mm-hmm. nicholas cage is gonna have to round him up it almost feels like a like a precursor to like the whole uh grown-ups era of adam sandler where like <laughs> Oh, this yeah. is this is a comedy movie, and there is a plot, but you don't care what it is. If you get confused, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, and I, I mean, I feel like this is a very early example of that. Mm. But I would definitely much rather watch this than Grown Ups. So. <laughs> oh yeah. Um. Well, uh, we we see the criminals who are at 
or the the escaped prisoners who were at their the brother's mom's house are now forcing her to get into the trunk of a car and they're driving out to paradise to go get these these brothers and steal their money. Oh yeah, that, I thought that was another funny scene when the the mom is in the car with them and uh, she's uh, she's like nagging them like they're her kids uh, and they're like this fucking lady has got to go in the goddamn trunk. Yeah, but. <laughs> I, I don't know. I thought that was funny. That was an interesting dynamic. Um, so then she's in the trunk. Oh, yeah. And then is this is where we have uh, Cage and Lovitz and Carvey going to the gas station. Yeah. Or yeah. the well, restaurant or whatever. They, they uh, Carvey and Lovitz show up on a horse-drawn sleigh uh, telling Cage to get in. And then the cops are chasing them because the sleigh is stolen. Cops are spinning out in the snow, but the sleigh is moving fine because it's meant for snow. Yeah. They lose the cops, they, uh, and then they take the sleigh to a, a diner where yeah, they have it parked the, outside. Yeah, the, is this... I, I, sorry if I'm all over the place because this movie is kind of all yeah. over the place. Yeah. Um, but It certainly is. Is this before or after the horse falls in the... Oh, that's that's when the horse falls in the ice. They're about to ditch it, but then they see the horse falling in the ice, so they go back and try and save it. And then they're like, well, we can't just leave this horse here because uh, they're the big softies for the horse. Yeah. And uh, I applaud that. I was like, you can't go leaving that horse freezing to death. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad at least the, the horse had some redemption. Oh, yeah. But uh, <laughs> And then they take it to a diner. And yeah. that's that's where they find out Cage is saying, like, look, we got to give the money back. We're We're in too deep. We're idiots. And we... Hurt a bunch of people who didn't need it because they're good yeah. people. Well, and one detail that I think we might have glossed over because uh, this is a bit of a mess of a movie and episode of our podcast yeah. <laughs> uh, as a result. But um, they, John Lovitz and Dana Carvey told Nicolas Cage that they found his wallet. Like the feds found his wallet. and uh, Yeah, which I'm pretty sure is just another lie. Like, why does he keep believing John Lovitz? Yeah, so he they they tell him this, so he believes that he is currently wanted because they found his ID at the scene of the crime or whatever. And so when we're at this diner, the the revelation that we have once Nicolas Cage is like, "What if we put the money back?" And there's you know lots of jokes about like, "Oh, you'd be the first guy to ever get arrested for putting money back in a bank." <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> but then Don't we have this that guy. We have the the revelation that they lied about Nicolas Cage being wanted, and so that prompts him to ditch them. Mm-hmm. And flip the table. And flip the table. Oh, I think they also had a revelation that they lied about the... Co- they lied about the whole situation to get yeah. them in paradise in the first place. Uh, like, uh, John Cage Lovitz called fi- the cops to get them to go oh, to that yes. restaurant. Yeah. yeah. Um, Nicolas Cage finds out John Lovitz is a liar? What? <laughs> yeah. His, who could have seen that twist coming? His oh. lying brother who was in prison For and a liar... Who uh, he was suspicious of from the start, but decided to go along with for no reason. <laughs> turned out to lie. <laughs> you know, you can't, you can't fucking believe it. Um, so this, this is where the, uh, the circumstances of this film get just plain downright zany. Zany. <laughs> Nicholas Cage storms out of the diner and he starts asking random truckers where they're going because he wants to hitch a ride to New York or back to Pennsylvania. Um, and you know, none of, none of the truckers are going South. 
So who who does he walk up to? Come on. Come on. Hey. John Lovitz? Huh? Yeah. He uh, walks up that to that religious family? Ooh, close. The girl. Is it further is, away? Is that the escaped all the prisoners? Oh. Oh, it's the escaped prisoners who happen to be at the same truck stop diner guessing up their car with their mother in, in the, the trunk. trunk. Uh-huh. Um, and so Nicolas Cage walks up to them. They're obviously nervous because they are escaped prisoners with a woman in their trunk. And he's like, hey, where you going? And at first they're like, get the fuck out of here. But then in half a second, one of them's like, hey, Let's come with. Why not? <laughs> yeah. I don't know if they were planning what? on like blaming him for something, like if yeah. they got caught. Or I they... had no idea what the logic was there. But they even he, he, they get in the car and you hear banging because there's a woman in the trunk. trunk. <laughs> yeah, and she wants to get out. And then he's like, "What's that banging?" And we're like, "Banging? I don't hear any yeah. banging. I think you're just going crazy." This and was one of the scenes that going. did make me laugh, where they're like. Uh, I don't hear any banging. And then the banging happens again. It's like, that banging? That's just like, oh, that's been happening all day. It's yeah. like, oh, okay. Yeah. That's not suspicious. <laughs> not at all. Um, yeah, and then through some weird conversation, Cage somehow ends up showing them the picture of his mom in his wallet. And then they're like, that's the lady we got in the truck. <laughs> and then they pull a gun on him and try and shoot him. And he just jumps out of the car and runs away and finds Carvey and Lovitz in the sleigh <laughs> immediately. Yeah. And they just get in and ride off. And, uh, I think this was, a, <laughs> I think this was the point where I was like, how is this movie not over? <laughs> yeah, please. Yeah. Just end. At, at this point, uh, it, 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 it like, it just, like those movies that I mentioned, the you know grown ups type movies uh, where uh, even if you're having uh, fun in the first half or less, uh, by the time it gets to like the the second half, the third quarter of these movies, it's just just nothing that's happening needs to be happening. Nobody cares anymore. Yep. Like we've gotten the jokes out. We just have to like wrap up this plot that we ham fisted into this movie and yeah. Yeah. So they, I mean, so in an attempt to wrap it up, they go back and try to give it to the bank, but they can't get in the vault. Uh, and uh, they leave the money on the doorstep of the church in town and with a note saying, like, G- give this, this is the money from the bank robbery. Give it back to the family that owned, uh, or owns the bank. And then they get signed Nicholas Cage. <laughs> They uh they get grabbed by those ski mask salesmen who are following him, and they take him to the house of the bank owning family, where, lo and behold, the escaped cons are there waiting with their mother, and the entire cast of the movie is in <laughs> the, the room. Yeah, the movie. all the cops, the FBI, <laughs> the family, the girl, mm. everybody who's not a cop is being held hostage inside <laughs> by the convicts. All the cops are outside. Um, and you know what? It's just plain crazy. Yeah. It's just plain crazy. And Cage says, like, we robbed the bank. We admit it, but we regret it. These were great people, and we didn't want to do it. But now these assholes are here trying to kill us and take the money. And uh, then, like, somehow one of the Andersons, who is the family that owns the bank. <laughs> this is the first time they've said their name. <laughs> it's true. The Andersons. Uh, they uh, shoot one of the criminals. I don't really remember how that happened, but <laughs> I, 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 I remember like one of the scenes is just like the guy opens the door and then they just hit him. Yeah. And 
just chaos breaks loose. Everyone's being wacky and zany and yelling. And uh, then the FBI breaks in and takes everybody to the police station. And uh, uh, apparently because because the brothers admitted it to them, the Andersons, that they robbed the bank, they uh, they feel sorry for him or something and decide they're not going to press charges or anything. So they refuse to tell the police that the brothers did it at all. And the policeman's just standing there like, I know it's you three. I know it is like you. You were there. Like, tell me about it. And they're like, I didn't see nothing, officer. Yeah. <laughs> and like, it's all going around. Um, Sarah says like, oh, they were Christmas shopping with me at the time of the robbery. And uh, the priest shows up with the money from the robbery, and he's like, "Hey, look, it's all right here." And then, and they shoot the priest <laughs> dead because they suspect he robbed the bank. <laughs> well, no, they're like, uh, "Where did you get that?" And he's like, "Well, I think the robbers left it." And he's like, "And you're gonna tell us?" And he's like, "Nah, I'm a priest. I can't tell people confession stuff. It's my obligation." Doctor and then, patient privilege. Yeah. The priest. <laughs> um, and then. Uh, the policeman's just like, all right, I got no evidence. I know you guys did it, but I got nothing. Get out of here. Which is, I think, not how this works at all. Like, <laughs> well, first, he, he leans into them, so only those three apparently can hear him in this room full of people. But he, he's like... That's how it works. It's like, you are some lucky motherfucker. And that's how he says. But he's like, you better count yourself lucky, because I know you robbed this fucking bank, and you're not going to have to... Whatever. Yeah. Oh, and, and, and he even says, like... You better be pretty good for the rest of your life because you got off on this one. <laughs> He's basically like, I'll let you go this time if you're a good boy after this. <laughs> and, and that's like after they get up and like start walking out, the mask salesman all get up and go like, oh, come on, man. <laughs> come on. You think I'm a fucking retard, man? <laughs> what do you think? We're all fucking retards. Uh, but uh, so after that, like Cage is talking to Sarah and he says, like, you know, what if I moved here? And like we had a, <laughs> and then she's like, yeah, OK. And then they kiss each other in the most forest love story of all time. It's like, hey, you know, how, its conclusion. you know how we've known each we've known each other for 24 hours. And what I if I moved here and we her. fucked forever? <laughs> yeah, and I robbed you. <laughs> like I robbed your employer and landlord and and friendly family and. Yeah. And we shot your dad. <laughs> um but yeah, that's that's the end of, of the movie. That's it. And uh overall thoughts here. Um I got to say, you know, they say comedy is the first form to age and the most likely to age poorly, and I can't say I always agree with that, but that this movie lends some real strong evidence <laughs> to that. And this uh, this movie So the runner was Felt like it was four hours long. Mm -hmm. And I, I went from The Runner to this movie. I was like, oh, comedy. Get some just lighthearted goofs. And then I started watching this movie. And I was like, man, why am I watching The Runner again? Yeah, it was kind of like. See, I, I don't know. I felt that it was uh, not even comparable to The Runner. I, I, I thought it was fun, at least. And I feel like if. See, if you're looking for, is, I do like this kind of comedy and stuff like this. I like a lot of old comedies. But I this just, is a bad old yeah. comedy. Yeah, it's definitely I, I not it was a, even that amusing at the time. Yeah, uh, it's it's definitely not a top tier. But I feel like uh, you could do a lot worse. Mm. You definitely could do worse. Like this, compared to the runner, this movie definitely had like plot points and points of interest. Yeah, and things that I will remember. 
Like I will remember that bank scene probably. Yeah, when when that bank scene was happening, uh, I felt fully on board because yeah. I was enjoying it. I never at one point felt like I was fully on board with the runner, which I guess is spoiling my uh, my vote. Yeah. Uh, the, the bank if scene I didn't should have already. been more of the focus of that movie, like mm. that yeah. bank robbery. Uh, yeah, it really should have been. But like that happened in like the first what half hour, forty five minutes. Yep, mm-hmm. and then there's still another hour. Yeah, they definitely could have milked a lot more out of uh, the intro. Um, because I, I feel like maybe uh, John Lovitz and Dana Carvey's characters would have felt a lot less forced if they had spent a little bit more time like establishing who they are instead of just like introducing them saying you're a stealer you're a liar and that's who you're gonna be yeah that was like those characters could have not been in that movie and just replace them with like goons yeah Yeah. and it would have been probably the same movie yeah but you know what i'm glad it wasn't just goons because john lovitz i'm glad it was these two goons (laughs) yeah and i love dana carvey this was not his best role uh Uh, his character was was doing with his voice yeah, this whole movie. Yeah, he, uh, uh, yeah, like every time he would start talking, I was like, "Are you trying to do like a New York accent, mm. or are you just trying to be like high pitched?" Yeah, that's kind of how I felt ever about uh, well, not just him, but Cage in this movie too. I felt like had a bad New York accent. Uh, if there's anything that I've learned about Cage thus far, it's accents are not his. Yeah, he cannot suit. do an accent. He, he's not good. Honestly, with those. I wish he would have done a New Orleans accent. Um, <laughs> he has but, more oh, practice at it. So this is what I was trying to find. Dana Carvey uh, loosely based his character's speaking style on a young Mickey Rourke. So hmm. that's what he was trying to. Well, it wasn't exhibit. good. <laughs> it wasn't. It was like. When it when we they first showed him and he was like making funny faces and talking funny, I was like, okay, this could be funny, but it doesn't feel like it yet. Maybe they'll milk something out of this, and they never really did. Like it was kind of amusing when he was like in the background filling his pockets with shit. Mm-hmm. But honestly, I think what this movie kind of reminded me of. Uh, uh, heads up, by the way, to all the listeners, big old nerds. Uh, this felt like. Like a D and D group, where you have like the one player who like wants to like do the story, get everything interesting, and then you have these two other players who are just like, I just want to steal shit and lie to everybody yeah, and be as be disruptive hobo. as pof- possible. You uh, yeah. you calling me out or? <laughs> I don't want to name names, but somebody in this room, who isn't me or Nick? Ah. Uh. Uh, well, you know, is some it the cage? People... Cause he's, uh, he's kind of here in spirit. <laughs> some people like to be the comic relief in D and D and, uh, use it as a chance to practice improv. Uh, <laughs> you can practice improv without disrupting the scene. Wait, so who was it? Uh, it was, it was it, the fish. It was the fish. <laughs> and oh, there's a fish tank in this room for the listener. I, I think I know who it was. Yeah, there's a fish tank in the room, but don't just let that distract you from the fact that Nick's nickname is Fish. <laughs> it's David Draymond. Um, but uh. yeah. <laughs> so anyway. should we vote? <laughs> yeah. Do we need to vote? Yeah, let's give us a countdown in Uwa'a'as. Give us three no. Uwa'a'as. Uh, yeah, I'll pass <laughs> on that. Uh, um, so I know... Oh. Um, Crap. 
Oh, that, that's okay. It's just it's gonna keep going. So Dave here, so uh, uh, Dave doesn't like to vote the um, runner. He would vote for <laughs> Shrek and Donkey, and Trapped in Paradise uh, wins. So we'll see. <laughs> We'll see you next it's time. It's the runner, guys. I'm using my override. <laughs> you used Wait, your override to override I've, his I've override. I've been eyeing up here for so long. I don't know what. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's okay. Um, Who won? Trapped in Paradise. Trapped in Paradise won. Uh, I'm terrified for override listens to this episode because I have I feel like I'm losing my fucking mind right now. Is yeah. that just me? I have a feeling that Nick is going to edit this and it'll only be like 20 minutes long. Yeah, it might it might lose some, some time in the editing process, but we and were this, a little bit all over the fucking place here. But this was probably so all, this movie. This uh, was also probably our shortest recording session. No, well, yeah. you guys still broke two hours at least. I mean, the last several have been about four hours. But... <laughs> uh, what are our next two movies? So uh, uh, next up on the bracket would be Ghost Rider and ooh. Pay the Ghost, coincidentally. Pay the Ghost Rider. Mm, we'll Which if out. we were smart about it, we would have saved that for a Halloween episode. But Those things are hard to tell. But we're not is. smart about this. Um, and no. Halloween is a pagan holiday um, that we... Don't personally celebrate, so let's not joke about <laughs> that. Um, you got me there. So, um, yeah, I'm Mike or whatever. I'm I'm Zach or whatever. I'm on, and I am Nick. Yeah, I had to think about that for a second. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm I'm Nick. I'm Mike, and I am on a real, uh, just. Downward spiral here. Um, <laughs> and if you hear from me again, uh, more power to me. So there we go, gentlemen. And I am. <laughs> oh, yeah. The human embodiment of it. And I hate Zandalee. <laughs> I love Zandalee. Um, bye. Fare thee well. Love ya. Love ya. This has been a solid work production. Solid work. Solid work. Uh, solid work. Hey, solid, solid work. work.